0: Friends Welcome to Wednesday night. It's vibrant time, and I'm joined by the ever loyal and reliable Gabriel, the slickest of dissidents here, and returning all-time champion George Messa. George, what's up, buddy? Hey We are great. welcoming to the show for the first time, our friend Oliver Bruska, who makes music that you just heard under the name Volo, VOLO, all caps, although that doesn't really matter in search results, but it looks cool. So I'm really excited to be talking to Oliver. He hit me up a few months ago. I think it's been a few months. Just letting me know that he loves the show. And uh, yeah, I was like, we got to do a vibrant, you know, it's not, not often enough do we talk to musicians or painters or artists or people that are pursuing that type of a lifestyle and doing it with a high level of consciousness. And like Stacy says here, we got an amazing cast and crew. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, so Oliver, welcome to Vibrant. And thank you for all the music I've been enjoying over the last couple of months.
1: I'm a huge fan. Thanks, man. Yeah, I totally appreciate it. And um, yeah, I've really connected with your podcast a lot. And um, I've gone through different flows of just getting into different webs and communities. And for some reason, this one has really been super resonant. So yeah, I'm glad you're feeling the connection to the music and I'm stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, guys, uh, George, what are your thoughts? I know that you're a definitely a music guy.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I love the variety. First of all, especially in the genre that you're in, there tends to be a lot of, you know, a lot of repetitive nature, kind of lazy stuff. Your stuff ain't lazy at all. And the production's great. And, um, you know, the the different instruments that you bring from different continents. And, um, even when you have vocals, I, I think it it's really complimentary. It's, It's, it's well done, man. It's, it's coming from a a great place. I think it's
1: awesome. Thanks for that. Appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, you know, what I think about your music is that in an age where so much is, uh, lower minded (laughs) about music, Mm -hmm. you know, I think music can be what it is and I'm not necessarily like a purist, you know, not freaking out or anything, but there's been on purpose and engineering of, Particular types of music to lower the human consciousness, and when we look at the past. Humans use music to elevate their minds to a higher ideal, whether it was a spiritual ideal or just some kind of social cohesion out of the harmony of music. And yeah, dude, I think that uh, your music is in a in a place and played in places like you probably are bringing light to places where some of it is. <laughs> a little darker, you know, like I said, yeah. I'm not judgmental or anything, but, uh, I appreciate the, the spiritual elevating feel of the production that you do. I'd like to talk about that.
1: Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, that's interesting you say that. Cause, um, when I was playing some festivals last summer, I got this feedback a lot of just the music being this really refreshing thing in the atmosphere, you know, especially if it's, there's just like a lot of dark wubby kind of deep stuff. And um, yeah, I think it adds a nice balance to what is out there and what's being played. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about music production, just the vastness of possibility. And it feels, it feels funny that things tend to become really um, repetitive and limited when there's just infinite possibility with music production. You can, so many different sounds like it's endless. So it's just, um, I think it's great to be able to explore and add some diversity to what's already out there.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm curious about, you know, your, what you've learned on your journey to where you're at now from the point of being somebody like, you know, I think I want to make music. I think I want to, Make this my lifestyle, you know uh, uh-huh. I was always really inter- sorry about the dog. I was always really interested at the beginning of creating the show, especially, like, how do people make their passion into their livelihood? And, you know, and music it's, is yeah. one of the hardest places to do that. And so, you know, oh, it's, obviously it's OK if there's other income streams and things like that to make it work. That's part of floating the boat. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm curious about that adventure and that journey and connecting to the abundance of universe through this particular offering, because it's one yeah. that is so widely utilized and appreciated, which is music, yet somehow one of the hardest ones
1: out there to like uh, make it doing, oddly enough dude yeah it's so real and it's been such such a journey and um i had this really deep feeling when i first started dabbling in music production which was in high school and um i really had this feeling of like oh wow i'm this is something that's really i feel good at and um nothing else felt so true in my life like it felt like the truest expression i had i feel like so much of School system stuff and the way I was being pushed, like nothing felt like true and real, but music was this first thing that I was like, oh my gosh, I feel this immense freedom. And I was just like, I, I have to do this, you know, but everything was kind of, I felt like it was going against the grain in so many ways to choose a life where I was just sustaining off of music. Um But... Uh, I was working at an insurance company when I was in uh, college and um, there was just like this terrifying feeling of just kind of seeing people that were much older and just seeing them being worn by a job they don't like to do. And I was just like, I have to just commit to music full on. And I gave myself like no plan B really. I was just like, right when I get out of school, I'm just doing it. And I don't know how it's going to work out. And yeah, it was, it was a super big struggle, honestly, when I first got out of school and I was trying to be like, okay, I have to pay rent, get food, and I'm trying to just have everything be fully from music. And I just like really wasn't at the level where that was even possible at that time, but I was kind of... Um, some people call it like stubborn, but I just felt like it was bold and courageous, and I just kind of went for it. Um, but... Yeah, I think over time I I realized I needed to get something just to like sustain me temporarily while I was in that direction. So I did some freelance web design and I worked at a grocery store on the night shift here and there, but I always was like, okay, I'm going to do this for like 2 months and then I'm done and then I'm full music, but it was just um it's really amazing how it worked cuz it was like years of kind of um, kind of living month to month and not knowing how I'm going to pay rent at the end of the month. And then something would just like, I would get some random payment that felt like it was out of the ether that would come like the day before. And it was almost this thing of like keeping me uncomfortable enough to be like really lit and focused on what I was doing, but, um, not too comfortable to like kind of stagnate. So I felt like it was, um, helpful in a way, but
3: Really uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah, guys, you guys want to weigh in on this i'm I
0: personally really appreciate what you just shared there about the uh, <laughs> like right at the moment it's needed, universe was like this is the way, uh, you know it yeah. it wants us to not have a plan b, it wants us to go fully into faith of our like what we love
4: yeah you, uh you know what's coming to my mind, and this is like kind of picking up. Where uh, George, the I think two shows back with George, the idea that music is the Moshe, it is the music, it is the Moses, it's the hmm. savior. Oh yeah, put, Moshe the initiate. <laughs> yeah, and you put your faith in it, and it, and it, and it saves and it saves you repeatedly. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking about. Uh, what do you have? You did you hear that show where they tell, where they insinuated that Moses might be the music? Did you pick up on that?
0: I think that's your insinuation, Gabriel. But I'm cool with oh, it. <laughs> no, it's still. I think still
5: I was works, pointing
1: yeah.
0: out that uh, the word "music" comes from right. is the same root "mse" or "msh" as uh, Moses exactly. and, and muses, of course. But like yeah. uh <laughs> Yeah, like there's something about that. I think I was alluding to like the musical theory being a potentially a um, mosaic remnant in a way, Mm -hmm. but I've actually kind of backtracked on that. The more I've continued to, and universe is just putting music stuff in my lap. The more I'm seeing like, okay, maybe this structure and this language of music is for a good reason because of what happens when we go out of order far too far with, uh, with what music is socially acceptable, how that like, you know, it's a chicken or an egg thing. Does it cause social degradation or does it reflect social degradation? But, you know, we do what we can to be harmonious and bring order. Then maybe music uh being there being a difference between objectively good and objectively bad <laughs> is actually okay. <laughs> and then being sort of willy nilly and experimental in the chaos too far isn't itself evil, but, you know, you, the, you learn things along the way that and then you get stuff like the Rolling Stones playing Sympathy for the Devil and people killing each other in the crowd, you know, happening more than once based on one song. And Mick Jagger's like, oh, yeah, people always fight when we play that song. You know, what's going on there?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, if it's manufactured for the culture, for a purpose, then that's choice C, I guess, where it does exactly what it's supposed to do over time, over a long period of time, usually but it seems like there really is this decade shift each time, eighties, nineties, two thousands. And, um, the culture moves with it. It culture always moves with art in any direction. And I'm sure we'll end up discussing that at a whole bunch of different levels, but it's what we were saying about, um, the music, you know, soothing and healing. It's, it gives back to you no matter what, even when i have been injured, I was still able to play at at whatever level I needed to. It was never in the way, unless i mean I didn't have anything broken, but, a bad injury in a finger or a bad back. It never, as soon as the music starts, I'm healed. I'm ready to go. Nothing's going to affect me. And maybe Mm -hmm. it'll come back when I'm done playing, but it, you know, it doesn't music doesn't necessarily give you money, but it gives you all the rewards you could ever want when you're either performing it or listening to it, you know, certain types, of course. So yeah, I I agree with that for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it feels really profound. Sometimes, just recently, I've gotten some messages from a few people. Occasionally, i get these messages that really hit, and they're really deep, where somebody's like, um, you know, going through a really dark time in their life, even sharing that they might be, like, borderline suicidal, or just, like, in that phase. And, you know, they'll say, like, oh, I listened to your music, and it gave me, like, a will to live or a will to survive. And um, it's like, what is that? That's such a profound... Thing that um you know just listening to sounds can do so that's something i'm like you know i see a deep healing aspect of music but just um there, there's so much there that can really do something that i think almost nothing else can do
3: well one of I the things good. about
1: your your music itself
0: now that i'm thinking about this topic and reflecting on it and it's hard to describe music verbally whether or not you heard it so yeah I hope people go check out Volo and maybe we'll play another song at some point in the stream but there's a consistency I mean not every song is the same by any means but there's a consistency in terms of a feeling that I get when I hear your music now that I think about it that almost does have that like epic uh hero in the movie at the the clutch (laughs) moment scene where it's like. I will survive. I will make it, you know, like I will transcend whatever it is. And there's like that, there is almost like that calling to rise. And that's what I meant about elevation in, in your Uh music. And so like, even that sense of like, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I'm going to keep going. That feeling Mm -hmm. of maybe even living a little bit uh, miracle to miracle, as you were describing at certain points of your journey, that definitely that consciousness does come through in the music and that could lift somebody out of like a dark place. I mean, it's literally lifting up in the the consciousness
1: of the vibe. So I love that about it. I love that description. That's awesome. Just the clutch moment. And, and that's uh if you look through some of my artworks, I've kind of had this theme of um, just like this avatar character, kind of this like epic kind of, it feels almost like a, um, you know, cinematic, bold, courageous, like, feeling that just feels like I want it to feel like anybody can feel like they're that, you know? And um so I guess yeah, the way you describe that is something that I've felt really connected to.
0: Yeah, I was actually already queued up to share some of the album art that you've got because I love uh the choices you make. By the way, is this Izzy Ivy right That's here? Totally Izzy
1: Ivy, yeah. She's a she's <laughs> friend of mine. Oh, cool! Yeah, <laughs> she was on the show
0: a long ass time ago. I need. I've nice. been meaning to someday invite her back. Uh, friend of mine bought her tarot that's got her paintings in. It's not really a tarot; it's an oracle deck. Uh-huh. And yeah. I was flipping through it, and I was like, "Oh man, I forgot how Liddy Izzy is." <laughs> so totally, that's yeah. cool. Like her style is very recognizable. That's cool that you are friends with her. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's even we're talking about too. Is um, one of the things that. It comes out of you doing what you do maybe you could speak on this is uh you create opportunities for other people right like i need some album art i'm gonna get an artist you know how how has that worked out is there other people can
1: rise with you right yeah i mean that's been one of my favorite parts about just presenting and releasing music i follow a lot of artists like i'm a huge fan of art and um The artwork feels super important to me. Just it's how it's the first thing people see and it's how it's being presented. Um, so I've done a lot of commissioning artists and painters to uh like show them the music I'm working on and I trust their creative input. I'm like, okay, like make an album cover for this. And I just really will invest and like find people that I love for the artwork. And that feels really important. And uh, talking about Izzy, I've, I did a, a few painting workshops with her and I've been really stoked on painting lately. So now I'm really excited about making my own cover artworks and going the direction of making like these immersive um, art exhibits where I play a set or something and have my paintings everywhere or like a bunch of painters and make this whole kind of realm or hold this whole world where music's playing and you're also looking into these, you know, canvas portals. So it's, a whole like immersive experience. I think that's something that's exciting me more than like playing a festival or something. Is like redefining how music can be experienced and what kind of spaces can be held to like experience music, where it's not focused only on dancing, but like you know, immersing into a whole other world. So that's something I'm pretty excited about and trying to trying to figure out for myself.
3: I see
4: a, i see a lion painting behind you. Is that one of your current projects?
1: Yeah, totally. That's the current canvas, canvas thing. That's awesome. Do you identify as a Leo? Um, I think my moon sign is Leo. So I guess, yeah, there's, there's something there. And, um, you know, speaking of like, I just feel like that boldness and that like presence uh, of the lion. And then I don't know if you can really see it, but it has like, this like radiating like sun energy with all this like abstract stuff around. You might it. have to pull it up for us. I I totally I totally can. Do you wanna do you wanna see it? It's still in progress, but but, oh yeah.
4: It'll be really appropriate if it's uh oil, as oil is the anagram for Leo.
3: Uh huh. Oh
5: yeah. Oh cool.
3: That's coming up. Dang,
4: that is awesome. That reminds me of my uh my biological dad, he's got a freaking huge mane like that. That's <laughs> awesome.
5: Thanks, man. Yeah, it's,
4: it's like, I don't really know yeah, what I'm doing, I'm a, but... I, I'm, a, I'm a Leo born of Leos. I like got Leo mama.
0: Nice. Oh, you're Thrice Leo? Thrice. thrice. Great? I don't know if you heard him say but it, but it's an oil paint and oil. man. Thrice Great Leo. Leo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's really amazing, by the way. That is quite a good painting. Thanks, dude. Leo is obviously the greatest. I mean, coming as a Leo rising, obviously. <laughs> George, George, do you have any prominent Leo?
2: No, uh, Aries, Aquarius, that's what's prominent for me. Okay, that's still good. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will have a lot of Leos in my life. I've had a lot of Leos in my life and I have a lot of Leos in my, my life. Yeah, so plenty of Leo. You know,
0: though what we, we, you were just bringing up that I, that brilliant idea for like the art portals with your music. Uh, Yeah. As somebody that's been to a lot of shows and a lot of festivals, there's something. Um, there's a double edged nature to the one or one person or one group on stage. And like all the attention, energy funneling towards that. You know what I mean? Like, I think that um, in the right intentions, in the right hands, somebody can channel all that attention, energy and, you know, reflect it back as love to everybody that's there. And it's really powerful. You know, if you have that type of a prism up there and I imagine that's probably what it'd be like to go to one of your shows. But on the other hand putting this, having one person on the stage that's the special boy, I'm the king, you know, it can become like a loosing in a not yeah. so good way. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to have this direct focus. And um, yeah, I was pretty deep into the world of festivals. And I've done a few tours. And a couple of years ago, I was playing shows more heavily. And there's so many beautiful amazing experiences but a lot of the time eh, something felt off about the whole situation and something didn't feel quite right you know and um it's hard to say what that was there's a lot of different factors but you know a part of me really wants to play a bunch more shows and i have the energy i want to share the music and art but just going and straight into the festival culture and scene i just i feel like I feel like there's room to create something different and i think dispersing the attention onto art and allowing people to have their own experience where it's not just this focalized on one thing where they're just like seeing, you know, visuals are cool and, um, lighting is cool, but it almost feels kind of like cheap tricks sometimes. And, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's more potential. I feel like that could be explored for sure. It's good that you mentioned that. So much about hard to strike a balance. I, oh, what's that,
2: George? Oh, I'm saying. I was just saying. It's it's great that you mentioned that it's hard to strike a balance between which one you want to be the prominent one because the visual can really take over the art, the music, mm-hmm. I should say, and vice versa. You know, like when you go to some of the, you know, what do you want to call fancier new waves art, where sometimes it's just one paint stroke, but there's three paragraphs to the right of it to explain that paint stroke. You know, like which mm-hmm. one am I focused on now? The words or the art? So I, I I know what you mean with that. You gotta you gotta balance it right. Mhm. No,
0: I think that we need to be just making more. I think that it, part of it is that the uh the festival economy is too sort of aggregated into giant <laughs> something about humans are like locusts, they swarm after there's too many there. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, like Music in Sky, there's a f- we were numbered in the hundreds and in the low hundreds and you know, it could be larger than that and still be okay, but an event like that um didn't feel like the loosing situation, you know, the artists mm-hmm. that were on the stage, the stage was like the same level as everybody else, because <laughs> there weren't so many of us that they needed to be elevated. Yeah. And again, like all of that traditional stage thing, main stage is not in itself the problem, but um, I, I really hope to see, maybe see you at one of those. Cause you can sort of recapture the beautiful aspects of festival culture, but with the, uh, the other attendees being, you know, <laughs> hip to energy and like positive intention yeah. and uh healthy, healthy beings and like family friendly and all that. And not, you know, cause a lot of festivals, as much as I love the experience, it, many people that are attending would have been just as happy to have an empty
1: field to do drugs. in.
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah it, it can feel like that sometimes. And I think now I'm, I'm just super sensitive to the big festivals and big amounts of people. I don't know how I used to do it before, but I love the smaller intimate uh, festivals. They're really um, more of what I want to be part of. And I'm really being more selective about like what I'm choosing to be a part of and play and, um, you know, being at places that I vibe with and that I want to be, you know, um, that feels really important to me because I used to just sign up and take whatever offer or whatever, Opportunity came my way and I would end up in this place where I'm like, I feel like I'm not meant to be here. This feels like, yeah, maybe I'm bringing some light into a place that might need it. But then I also have to take care of myself. And um, that feels really important to kind of keep myself feeling good. But then it's it's been a balance between like exerting myself, but then not letting myself get um, burnt out or run down or all these things. So it has been a constant balance for me just with my health and with everything, you know?
2: Yeah, man, you can burn out real easy if you end up saying yes to everything because you feel like you have to. And after, totally. you know, I've been playing live music for 25 years, man, I basically said yes to anything I possibly could have been if it was free. And mm-hmm. of course you get burnt out, man, you get it burnt out fast. And I didn't want to play some of those shows, especially the type yeah. of bar type shows, you know, but same idea. It is, yeah. it, it's, the balance is very hard to to make, and if you put yourself in a position where you finally can say no when you need to, that's great. You know, it. it, that's, yeah. that, that's a good thing. You know what you, you can do. always you say no. <laughs> you can always say and that's what I'm saying. You know, you
0: know what. Yeah, uh, you know uh, Owen it is. Benjamin says that evil is defined by having no boundaries. <laughs> mm-hmm. and maybe that's not the only thing that evil is, but like that's a really good point. That if you have no boundaries, you will wind up like you know having to interact with what feels like evil. Because you never said no to it. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jenny wants to know, what are your thoughts about silent concert social experiences? Uh, This Mm -hmm. would be like, I've seen this at events before where like uh, you walk into the disco and the DJ is playing, but there's no, everyone's got headphones like over the ear headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You ever done any shows like that?
1: I've never done a silent disco. um, So I'm not really sure how that translates or how that'd be, but I love the idea of doing a more silent experience uh, where people can all be in the music. Um, Yeah. I wonder how that would change things where everybody's on the headphones and it's all synced up. That would be really, really interesting to see how that just shifts how, so the whole thing with the show when you're playing music is you creating this whole thing that people are all in together so I'm curious if people are all in their own headphone zones, if it would have the same effect. I'm not too sure.
4: Yeah, that sounds kind of fascinating to imagine. I've never been to one, but its I'm already, I feel awkward just to thinking of like everybody else is dancing to something that, that I can't hear,
3: uh-huh. you know,
4: and like and think, it's optional somehow. It's yeah. really fascinating to imagine. Right. I, think, I know I think sometimes this they be- have like
2: a button and it's like, there's an A, B, you know, you have red light, green light. So there's two different things at once. So you got to see the rhythm to see who's listening to what, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like match up with the closest person
1: or something. It's weird. It's definitely crazy. I think the cool potential of that would be if everybody had like really high quality headphones. Because um, I feel a lot of times it shows people just hear. You're not it depends on the sound system, but you're a lot of times not hearing the depth of texture and layers and everything. Like, uh, my, I love listening to music on headphones. It feels like such a different experience because it feels like I'm immersing into a world. And like when I make music, it feels like I'm in this atmosphere and I'm like in another world kind of. And, um, so if people have like really high quality headphones. Um, everybody can be immersing that much deeper. And then you don't have to worry about like, oh, if you're in this part of the room, it's kind of like the sound doesn't sound as great because, you know, there's all this acoustics with being in a room and it's kind of hard to be in that sweet spot. So I think sound quality aspect of it is pretty cool.
2: Definitely.
3: Yeah, I see
0: today it's it's got to be so tricky as a producer. I mean, I've never really tried my hand at it, but you know the question is like are we making music for listening to in the car or are we mastering this for playing through a phone
1: speaker or like uh, you know yeah. what is that is that a challenge uh, yeah, I, it's totally a challenge i feel like for me i just make music for the way i would listen to it and um i mostly work on headphones like i've had nice studio monitors and for some reason i love the headphones experience and that definitely has its drawbacks, but um, there's just something about it for me. And yeah, you know, when you play it on phone speakers or a little Bluetooth speaker, you're just like, you're hearing a fraction of the music, but you know, there's a lot of people that will make music that's kind of more geared towards that or is more simplified, which is totally fine. Um, but I, I just, I hope everybody can have the experience of like listening to really deep, like textured music on a really nice pair of headphones. I feel like it's just, it's a whole different thing. And maybe people haven't totally experienced that and don't know what they're missing. I'm not too sure. So
0: this is totally a different question, but I'm curious, like what, what are some of the things, um, you know, in this community that we talk about that most resonate with you in your life and you know, have spurred thought or change or, you know, that you could share some interesting reflection on.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's hard to like define exactly what it was that really made me feel connected to y'all, but I think it's just being aware of the other layers of reality and the esoteric side of things. And, um, I feel like I portray a lot of lightness in my music and a lot of like uplifting, but I feel like I've been seeing into a lot of the darkness in the world. And that's been really present for me. And I feel like not a lot of people I feel like are seeing it the way I do. And I'm like, Whoa, like there's a lot going on under the surface. And it's just nice to have people that I feel like understand that. And about a year or two ago, I was having these night experiences where I'm like, waking up in the middle of night and, um, just having really disturbing stuff. And, um, there's not a lot of, I didn't have a lot of community or friends or people to talk to about it that have had similar experiences. And, um, yeah, you guys just kind of go into topics that I'm like, oh wow, there's other people that also (laughs) understand this stuff and have had similar experiences. So um yeah, it feels just like uh connecting the tribe and community of people that are on the same page, I guess, energetically or something. We're talking like
3: sleep paralysis.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. That's sleep paralysis has been happening my whole life, but it would be like uh sleep paralysis and then like uh going out of body, not intentionally, is just like happening and then um I didn't really know what was happening at the time, but I'd kind of be out on my body and then interfacing with just really, uh, super disturbing stuff, you know, and not really knowing what was happening. And I'd be like phasing in and out of just like what I would have to look at my hands and be like, okay, can I see my hands or not? And it would happen like 20 times during the night. And then I would wake up just completely drained and just like completely shook my whole reality to where I'm like, what is going on? You know? And, um, so it took me a lot to kind of try to grapple with and understand with what was happening. And it's, it's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole conversation and I don't know if you want to go down that path, but oh,
0: it's, I'm interested if you're, if you're willing to go down this yeah. path, because I'm very curious to know, like what you think maybe was happening. <laughs> Michael H yeah. says, I see it too, man. <laughs> uh, cause for me, like yeah. for me, sleep paralysis proceeds out of body as well. Yeah. And, uh-huh. um, Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on on the subtle energy level in this realm, you know, depending on the locale that you live in, maybe like more urban or less urban or the level of EMF pollution going on. Like Mm -hmm. uh, I've theorized for a while that like beings of some kind are riding on some of these signals that are all in the air. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Because I, I see energy itself as consciousness, like whatever form it's in is and whatever container it's in or whatever, maybe like field dynamic in terms of its flow or lack mm-hmm. thereof is somewhat determinant of what the, like the quality of that consciousness is or that energy is. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously a lot of the, a lot of the energetic fields and flows that we're immersed in right now are not <laughs> natural ones. And so like, some of that could be real disturbing if you're facing it in a, in a more direct mind to mind interface. And I'm curious, like what, what maybe more we could say about this. This is fascinating.
1: Yeah, totally. I think, um, I'm still like, it just feels so hard to comprehend. And I've been really trying to do research and find other people that have had similar experiences. And I was like deep into looking at the ask projection Reddit and, um, I've had, sleep oh, yeah, I'd be concerned about the quality of information
0: from anything. Yeah, <laughs> I totally. And I thought, yeah.
1: But I'm like, who do I, I just, I wish I had somebody that was like this old wise person that was like, Ooh, yeah, you, you're having these things. Let me teach you. But I just feel like I have no one to guide me, you know, and I'm just going and I'm being like thrown into water and trying to learn how to swim in this other realm. And, um, you get to yeah, be your I own just, teacher though. There's like uh there's a strength in that too, though. Totally. And you know, what I've taken from the experience so far is it feels like it's felt like a sort of Jedi training in a way because I'm uh like when I was waking up out of body and it felt like there was these kind of darker entities that were um kind of instilling fear in me. And it was very obvious and apparent that they were like manipulating my thoughts and getting me to give into fear. And so it was this training where I would wake up and I'm kind of tired, you know, and kind of out of it. And so I don't have like the the full strength to kind of like hold my ground, I guess. And I would have to just like drop in and be like, okay, I'm not afraid. And just, I could feel it like manipulating my mind. It was super like very manipulative feeling and very constricting. And so I was ending up getting to the point where I could just like feel this certain feeling that that was happening and then just I would do this kind of creative visualization where I would create like this like sphere around me and I would just like hold my ground and just like knock in into fear. And that would just completely shift it. It was like, oh, yeah, I have the power over this. Uh, Just but just understanding that there's like this deep manipulation happening.
5: Um, It's like a banishing ritual.
1: Yeah, something like that. And, you know, I feel like I was just intuiting these things as it was happening of like, oh, maybe I should like create this sphere of light around my room and like, um, like, uh, I learned from some people these things you can say, these kind of commands to kind of clear the space. And, um, yeah. they do work, but the thing is these things have like kept happening. So, uh, how do I prevent it from happening? Like I feel like I can navigate it somewhat when it, I'm in it, but how do I prevent it from happening? And is this something to like explore more deeply? Like I I was wondering if I should maybe like try to astral project so I have more of my like conscious like I'm doing this on purpose and not being just like thrown into it. I guess. Um,
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still
3: mystery to me.
4: I think one of the keys is that term command. You know, mm-hmm. you have to. You know, uh, the the projection of will is uh is kind of essential in those vulnerable moments. You know, and the ability to be like, oh yeah, I'm the dreamer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm the one calling the shots. and to, and to yeah. put that into into action. You know, uh, that is crucial. And everybody, you know, my my banishing ritual was similar to what you're describing. You know, I have a, a triplicity of purple rings. And I, and so they're like yours. It's like a, a, a circle of safe, protective space. And one uh-huh. thing I'll try to do to like almost distract myself from whatever it was is I'll try to make the three rings move in three different directions. And I can mm-hmm. get the first two rings going pretty easily, but it's the third ring at the out exterior that I'm, uh, I'm like, uh, it becomes. It basically just becomes a mental puzzle that distracts me from whatever yeah. it was to try to get the perfect uh, safe space cast and and uh, moved with my will.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like that creates this level of like focus. You know, where you're having to balance this visualization that's a little bit more complex, so it uh, harnesses more of your like focus and attention, which I think is just the key when you're in that space. Is just like. V- having a level of like focus and like, you know, like we were talking about earlier with music, like having that like willpower and that like boldness to interact in those spaces. And, um, I don't know how this all translates into my music expression. I feel like with my art, I've been more able to express these things because it's more visual, but yeah, there's definitely something there of like learning how to hold yourself and how to like, um, exert your will upon like your sphere, you know, it's just a really interesting thing. It's way harder hocus, to translate into music. That's for sure.
2: Hocus pocus. Yeah.
0: F- <laughs> it's, focus. Hocus focus, focus. focus. Oh, I like this. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's so much harder to put this into music. It really is. Uh-huh. It's hard to make the kind of dissonance that you may be experiencing in your life or hearing or seeing in a, in a nightmare, you know, musically speaking, it's, it's tough. It's tough to make it, um, a palatable um, song, I guess, is the best word to use. It it often doesn't fall into a typical song category. I mean, we often have a repetitive kind of hypnotic rhythm that repeats at least over the section of the song to give you that stability, that that place where the melody can live, the place where the chords can exist and kind of give the expectation to the listener after a few times through. This is already beyond what the what you may be trying to represent. Art is an easier way to kind of place it down, and I agree with that, you know? the way you have to manipulate time mm-hmm. musically automatically puts you in a position where you you almost have to do that. And you have to prioritize that on top of, you know, whatever kind of emotion you're getting. And it, it's hard. You have to mix major and minor chords. You have to mix all these different sounds. You can't stick to just this one thing. The emotion comes from the collection and it, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to because I used to have crazy night terrors. I, I barely slept for years and I was playing a lot of bass overnight. I was kind of got the most practice time in, I was still hanging out with my friends till whenever. So I would come home and be like, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to sleep tonight because they were they were waking me up. And I am mm-hmm. the happiest person you've ever met. I'm the luckiest guy I've ever met. I have no reason to have nightmares. I've never even been in a fist fight. I've just, I've had a very wonderful life. And I had crazy nightmares like like I couldn't believe. But it it kind of got me to do something that I needed to do, I guess. I don't know how else to look at it. Because yeah. it, it showed me lots of things. It almost prepared me for anything. Thankfully, none of those things have happened. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm ready for it mentally. I already did it. I've been there already, you know. And I always mm-hmm. feel like you were saying, Chance, they're just kind of out there. Why else would I have received such weird dreams if I wasn't, if it wasn't on my mind? Or, you know, I, maybe I watched a lot of horror movies, but it wasn't that stuff either. It didn't look like that at all. It had nothing to do with it. So it's almost like mm-hmm. something's tapping you on the shoulder just because it happens to be in your area, in your realm, you know yeah so there's a totally. million ways
1: to look at it mhm, yeah and I did notice it was different in different like if I was sleeping in different places, it was definitely mm-hmm. um definitely affected by where I was um and like you know, you
5: were, what's great
2: mhm you can you can clear a space out with those, you can feel it right away. Yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to do a tuning that was involved.
0: That was like sort of intentionally about, uh, (laughs) like bringing more integrity to your bubble space, Mm.
3: if that makes Mm -hmm.
0: sense. Because I do Mm -hmm. run into that a lot. Um, in not like every time, but a lot of times in a tuning for a client, like a big part of the problem will end up being that somewhere in their energy field. In one area or another, there's like a vulnerable spot <laughs> where there's mm-hmm. like, you know, where it's porous or perforated. Mm-hmm. And uh more often than not, it's actually because there's something about themselves that they've pushed so far away that they've mm-hmm. pushed it mm-hmm. completely outside of the boundary of their energy field. And now it's trying to get back in. And so it feels like an external attack. But, you know, yeah. what Gabriel said was the most clutch thing. Uh, like, I am the dreamer. <laughs> if uh-huh. you, if yeah. you can make that assertion, uh, it, you can t- you can actually take that outside of sleep paralysis, outside of lucid dreaming. You take that mindset to everything in life and watch what happens, because like one of the biggest changes that occurred for me in life was when I started interpreting the things that were going on in external world, the way that you would do dream analysis. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, it's no different than dreaming. <laughs> I'm totally we're dreaming yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a hundred percent, the same type of, uh, you know, psychic experience. And mm-hmm. another thing that came up that I thought was interesting in re- regards to the focus was like, I had this uh, re- recall while you guys were talking about, you know, the projecting of, of, uh, Protective light and energy. I had this recall of when I was a little kid riding in my parents' car and looking out the window. And whenever I would look out the window and watch, like, you know, watch the fences go by and everything kind of in that blur, mm-hmm. I would see, I would, there is this like, there is this being that I would see mm-hmm. all the time when I was a little kid. It was sort of like Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh-huh. But it wasn't Snog the hedgehog, but there was like this, there was this being that would run alongside the car, and Same I would watch it running. The- Gabe, you saw this guy too?
4: Yeah, I read. It was me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I would put,
4: I would put myself outside of the car, running along, jumping over fences, tumbling, and going on houses.
0: Dude, yeah. So I would see this little guy, and then like I would experiment with my ability to make him do stuff. But I couldn't always make him do everything, you know. Like you were saying with like spinning the rings one way and another way at the same time, but like the third motion was harder. That, like that would practice my ability to focus that visualization. But like um, why I'm bringing this up about the visualizations at all, uh, other than that it's funny to remember that <laughs> is, you know, you were led to this intuitively based on and maybe you got some advice. It sounds like too, but based on the fact that you were like needing a way to assert your own power and your own bubble. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when people don't have the visceral experience of like seeing the beings or being in sleep paralysis or like, you know, their third eye isn't super active uh, maybe they don't even have much of a capacity to visualize at all that even in that place, in terms of third eye ability um, visualizing and intentionally creating fields or barriers or protections or like everything that you do in this space that we call visualization or imagination is a psychic form that has energetic objective existence and mm-hmm. uh so like you know you are experiencing on a one to one level of like i see that over there and i'm making this right here and this it's all in the same spot but like mm-hmm. you know people can actually do way more than they realize with this power of intentional visualization, even if they're not seeing the beings that might be like attacking or like, you know, I'm not saying that there's external beings attacking. I think a lot of time, I think everything comes back to like our own energy, but it's in the, the way that it's flowing and the dynamics of it. Um That being said, you know, <laughs> there are things that, that are experientially external. And anyway, after all this long rant, my point is that like, You know, people out there listening do these type of visualizations, create these uh, protective shields energetically. Like, you know, if you feel like you're about to go into, you know, it's not the truth now, but like back in the day where I'm going to the grocery store and I'm not wearing a mask. (laughs) Better, you know, gear up, lock it low, like get myself psyched up. You know, you can do these visualizations of barriers and protections and and charms and like, you know, the whole gamut of possibilities. And it's all despite maybe that you can't see it in, in your own astral vision or whatever, it's very real and it's very effective. And it's a super important, I think, step to uh, maybe even realizing what this realm is as, as a shared dream space that like Mm -hmm. we are the dreamer. We're, we're dreaming as lucidly as we choose to and as willfully as we allow ourselves to. Mm There was no question in that, but like somebody take
1: it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What that kind of reminds me of is I sort of recent had like um, a psychedelic experience that kind of gave me some more information about just the sphere and surroundings around me. And it was a really kind of difficult experience where I felt like I was just being like pulled into like chaos almost and just kind of like, fractaling off and it didn't feel uh good but i felt whenever i did any sort of geometry with my body it rippled off and changed my whole sphere into a more pleasant environment so if i i just was kind of like intuiting these mudras and then it would just whenever i did it it would instantly shift my whole sphere and space around me almost like crystal crystallizing around and I all of a sudden had this realization of how important um, yoga is and these uh, like movements and geometries of our body and how that's shifting our sphere. And um, yoga has been a big practice for me. So I felt like I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. This is more than just like good for my muscles, my body. This is creating these shapes that are affecting my sphere and kind of like creating that space around me. That is the space I want to be a part of, you know.
2: Well said, man. Well said. Even just having a finger in a different direction than usual can change everything. You feel your pulse change. Mm-hmm. You feel your mindset change almost immediately. Just like when you try to, you know, take yourself down from a certain emotion, try to change your breathing pattern. It's the same concept. You're right about mm-hmm. the yoga being the geometry. Definitely. And mm-hmm. same thing with dreams. You can dream it. Like you're saying you are the dreamer, but in the, in the dreams, you can control things. If you put that kind of mindset into a moment when you may be, you know, set up with a, a situation you don't think you can get out of, you know, in a nightmare, let's say Um, if you just change what you, whatever your avatar is at that moment, if you change it into even something simple, like a triangle, if you think you can, that might just totally change the focus of the dream might, you mm-hmm. know, put it in the right direction. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I wanted to also point out was uh George, you're talking about the difficulty of translating these type of, dream astral experiences into the musical realm, especially because of sort of the chaos of it and the non-structuredness of it. And um, so I I heard this story today. I was listening to the newest Mysterious Universe there, like Tuesday members only show. And I'm a huge fan of that show. (laughs) I've been listening to it for like Uh, a decade. They've been on a, a kick of talking about esoteric music stuff and musical mind control and music conspiracy and like all kinds of, you know, stuff that we, we would love. And, uh, they brought up how there is a rare, but documented condition where sometimes people that hear certain people that hear a certain like genre or type of music will have seizures and stuff and like blackout or like totally lose consciousness. And, um, so, and then they were talking about just how like, everybody has some physiological reaction to different kinds of music. Like if the tempo is, is up tempo, the heart rate of the person will get faster. Like even if it's not noticeable to you while you're sitting there, it's actually definitely happening. It's <laughs> measurably so. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, music is this w- weird container of the consciousness of the person who made the music. And it can be, I think healthy and helpful for them musician to create music out of what they're struggling with or out of their trauma or out of their hard feelings. And then like, because it's better out than in, you know, that's a, a valid form of expression that can help somebody like integrate. But cause now once it's out, you can see it and you know, now you know what it is and that helps your body adjust and tune itself. But you know, I would be, <laughs> I would be actually like, I would be a little concerned about the type of about showing people or listening to the type of music that came out of, you know, a uh, sort of demonic attack, sleep paralysis experience. If you were authentically trying yeah. to capture the feeling and the consciousness of that, because it would be like, you know, it was, it would be like that note, like, don't. You know like a surprising shocking note uh-huh. yeah. like if you played yeah. that forever like for thirty minutes, yeah. with no resolution or something you know, and like I don't know yeah. how that would go for the physiology of the person, but then the feeling of resolving it or the feeling of like yeah. Yeah. You know, understanding the dream and being the dreamer, that type of feeling put into music could be really helpful physiologically, but it's a wild it's a yeah. wild world to like start to explore the deep effects that this music stuff really has on us and you know, like to the extent of how it affects plants that I, I, mm-hmm. I found out from to them, how you play classical music to plants and they're going to grow better. And then for gen- even seeds that come from those plants that grew better will retain the benefits, even if those didn't grow with any music. And it's like for generations to come, that music like made the plants stronger. And so <laughs> you know what what are we gonna what are we doing with like our cardi b's or, or whatever they're called uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's it's a real question you know i don't want to like infringe on people's creative expression or creative freedom but when it comes to like what's being put into the mainstream it's not really an expression of creative freedom and it's it's an expression of what the ones that are like funding and and promoting it want to put out there and who they decide to to give the platform to so it's like it's a it's a really weird time in human history at this moment because of the wide wide freedom you know like electronic music has allowed producers to experiment with any possible sounds like imaginable to the human <laughs> to the human mind and like that's amazing and what's there's some of the cra- coolest stuff ever that's come out of that but then on the other hand like well, the, the stuff that is not very helpful to human consciousness, it's not very creative anyway, you know? So I did going to assert my rant on that.
2: No, that's good that you were talking about, Um, you know, that it doesn't get resolved, so to speak. And that's, in my experience anyway, with nightmares, I often, th- th- there's no resolution whatsoever. In other words, it's nothing but dissonance if we speak about it musically. And dissonance really does have a major tendency to need to resolve. So maybe you can still represent the dream somehow dissonance wise but then you can use the music to make that resolution for yourself even if you don't realize it it could be a subconscious you know resolution for yourself mm-hmm. to get past whatever it was hopefully until the next one occurs of course but you know what about everyone else i mean my experience really when i have nightmares i i i never never a resolution i wake up usually and i don't i don't, I don't the dissonance is just there hmm What's everyone else's experience with that? Do you usually wake up from nightmares or do you get to resolve them? It's
0: almost like waking up is the resolution. That's the resolution.
1: Yeah. And I feel there for me personally, it feels like there's a distinction between nightmares and uh, like out of body experiences. It feels like they're two different things. Like I can very much feel like, Ooh, I had a nightmare and I feel like it's affected by all these um, subconscious thoughts and patterns and conditioning, but The out-of-body experiences, it feels like uh, more of uh, like almost like an objective reality that I'm like in and seeing like another layer of things. And it's just a very different feeling to those two experiences. Um, Mm. But I really, I think
0: it's Out-of-body can feel more awake than awake. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like you can, like, that's the wildest part about it is that you can, in out-of-body, you can see things more clearly, more sharply. You know, better than with your real eyes. But, yeah. you know, I have memories of this, like seeing the f- blade, the fan blades in my ceiling up close in <laughs> hyper ultra HD, you know, better than if I was using my human eyes. And so that's why I fully believe that humans can actually heal from pretty much anything, especially when it comes to issues with like our sense organs, because there's some part of us that can sense and detect all that stuff without the physical thing to begin with. And so I think that that's how all sensing works is it's we're sensing through whatever capacity this astral or out of body experience is, but then we're sort of in this belief (laughs) state of uh, embodiedness. Like, then projecting that into or like splitting the light into the prism of eyes, ears, nose, you know, but it's really this like one primary thing. I think that's what synesthesia is uh an echo of, is the one primary like monochord of experience that gets divided into the multiple senses. Mm
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think the, the synesthetic experiences with music is really curious. And some people will describe having like really intense synesthesia where it can almost be mm-hmm. extremely overwhelming for them. Um, and I, I feel like I, I feel an, uh, a mild version of that when I'm producing music. A lot of it's like I describe kind of being in this whole atmosphere and space and, um, certain sounds and textures will have this, um, kind of shape and feeling to them and, certain colors and it's funny when i like i have work in ableton and i don't know if you've seen ableton layout but you know you can like color code all the tracks and i'm like very particular about you know bases are blue and you know these sounds are yellow and i have this it's almost like i'm creating an art piece with how i'm like laying out all my tracks uh just because they're like it's easier to organize that way but also the certain sounds really have this certain color to me
4: It's cool. A sound, a sound color palette.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: I had a, sw- I had a sweetheart a long time ago. She had uh and And her particular form of it was that, uh, she saw all numbers and letters, numbers and letters as specific colors. Hmm. And so ones were always pink. Ones and Rs were always pink. And like, zeros and nines were always this particular green. And she always said that, that it's not just any pink. They're like all these uniform colors. And I thought that, and that just kind of blew my mind just to imagine what that must be like. And then all the other forms of it, you, you like wrap your head around just that one. And then you find out that some people get flavor or smell mm, around music yeah. and stuff.
1: Yeah. It seems like it could almost be like really overwhelming and hard to function in certain spaces when you're just taking in almost like too much uh information to be like you know navigating reality.
0: Yeah, it's almost like we created these bodies as a way of filtering and sorting it out. Like there was just this mm-hmm. primal chaos of everything everywhere all at once and we're like okay, I need a spacesuit to explore this chaos <laughs> in. So yeah. that's what this is. You know.
1: Totally. <laughs> like life support system. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's healthy to have like some sensory gating and some filters, um, but then being able to consciously like uh, let the filter down and, um, you know, make some use of seeing through it. But if we're always just bombarded with all the different things, uh, I don't know how we would necessarily function.
0: No, it's, it's exactly like that. Like, um, (laughs) Like some people want to escape from their body and they see their body as a prison and like, you know, the, this realm is an evil prison and I've been trapped in this body and all that. But when you think about it, being in this body is what allows for us to experience music, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like really? the body itself with the different rhythm and flow and experience of senses divided from the, the monochord, if you will, into like, okay, now I hear that sound. And then now I'm smelling something and now I'm feeling something. And like the order and the flow of that becomes a melody, you know, and like the senses are instruments that we're detecting the reality through, but also that we're feeling the music of this, you know, whatever it is that is the all, <laughs> I think it's awesome. I think that like, this is high technology and it's, uh, I think that it's uh-huh. a gift to be able to experience the all through the way that we do so that it becomes musical. So it has the ability to harmonize rather than just sort of be like a,
1: Oh, not stop. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to bring all the senses in, you know, looping back to talking about creating a certain atmosphere to take in music, like I was thinking of doing the immersive art experience. But what if you brought in more senses, like you had certain smells that, you know, you know, people say, you know, burning some sort of certain herbs will have this certain effect. So what if you took it to another level of like, you're burning these like really specific incense that also affect the space and I think there's just so much you're talking about ceremony
0: uh, and ritual and magic yeah. now. That's what magic, totally. That's what Ceremonial magic is right. You're like totally. picking and choosing yeah. all these elements. Uh-huh. I never thought about that. That the that the magic is like music when you're doing it that way. Mm-hmm. For
2: sure, totally.
1: Yeah, and bringing that into like a music listening environment, you know, would be super powerful.
2: Right. Even just a certain frequency background. It doesn't have to be a a song or anything. It could just be certain frequencies you combine for a certain sound, a certain feeling, and that could just be there, frozen. And that could be Mm -hmm. accompanied by the art and the smells and stuff too. Totally. Guys, I want to play another one of Oliver's songs.
0: And uh, this one's not too long. It's under three minutes, but it might be my favorite one of the, I don't know, favorite is a strong word. Everything... You can't really make favorites in life. But I really, really enjoy this one. And if you guys are cool with like a couple minutes of music, you know, if you would need an intermission too, that's fine. You can walk off. But I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna play Axis Mundi. Yeah, cool. <laughs> which, oh, nice. which is so fitting to the topics that we get into. So yeah. uh enjoy this, everybody.
4: Cool. Right on. You know, like I don't
0: mind talking over it, but it makes me show
4: That was epic.
3: Okay, well,
4: <laughs> that was short, really fun.
2: Short and sweet, little trombone mm-hmm. action, right? That was sick, man.
4: Yeah, the horns caught me. I like it. It makes my one of my favorite words is ambiance. Mm. I just love the word ambiance. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like like we were talking about smell and all the, those other senses. But yeah, it's got great ambiance.
0: Yeah, that's the atmosphere that he was talking about, right?
1: Yeah, so it feels really nice to. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, just just about the song in, in general, it feels like you know it's this really big building, uh, and then you know, like you said before, that like clutch moment in a hero, like a hero movie or something, where it's just like really bold. And I had this like feeling when I was making it, where I was just like, "Whoa!" I just like this strong feeling and. I'll get it like in my body. I'll just like get this feeling in my chest where I'm like, whoa, something's happening. You know, you know? like I got to just like keep this going. Um, so it's a really visceral experience when I like, I, I can feel like I caught something that feels kind of special. And, um, yeah, I like to drop into the big epic, like moment, but then I really love the end of the song where it just kind of like, poof, like it drops into this like spacious, spaciousness um so i, I just love like the contrast, and I think that's something amazing about the music art form is you can create these like really big arcs and just having you know something that sounds loud because you have something soft and quiet next to it, and just playing with the the medium of something over time is just there's a lot of potential there
2: you're right, and two notes next to each other, whichever one precedes or comes afterwards they they really make one note sound different in different contexts same just like you were saying with the, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. the building of layering and stuff. It's a cool feature of it, but there was good, good, short and sweet, man. Really. You built a lot in that short time. It was great. Mm -hmm.
0: And if you put it in context to the whole album, then you're still riding that wave as you go into more music. (laughs) It's like nine (laughs) songs on that album. Uh Uh, Particularly though, I feel like that might've been one of the first ones that I Uh gravitated towards just because of the title, you know, like Mm -hmm. the idea, what is that? You know, what does that mean for you?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I've been drawn to like Axis Moody and not like fully even understanding the the full context of it, but just feeling this this feeling from that word and that phrase that, that I was like, okay, this is going to be a song sometime. And then I was just kind of waiting for the right song to, to fit that because it feels something just like uh, powerful about it and just like triumphant feeling um so just right. those feelings kind of match the feelings of the song when i was when i was making it
4: i've been i've been thinking a lot about the spirit of you know like the 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 myth the myth of our society is you know it's like the spirit of the collective and it's it's such a vague phrase but it, uh but i find it uh, fits in so many places and it's like you were conveying mm-hmm. the spirit of the term spirit? axis mundi the spear mm-hmm. of it
3: <laughs>
4: uh,
1: the axis mundi One. spirit yeah <laughs> totally, totally. Right <laughs> yeah I think that's getting at something like um, that I feel really intrigued by with music is being able to capture uh, like the vibe of a particular atmosphere you know like maybe you're on a hike and you have this overlook and there's a valley with trees and there's mist going through just being able to capture that feeling, you know, cause it feels kind of like, what is that feeling? I don't know, but I feel like some songs can just capture these specific atmospheres. And I feel this certain feelings when I'm certain, certain landscapes that I feel like uh, I feel infuses into me when I'm there. And then it comes out in the music in some sort of way. So I think that's just an interesting thing to be able to like, uh, kind of speak for nature in those ways and speak to, like give a, give sound to these more widespread
0: atmospheres. (laughs) I did break the fourth wall back there.
3: (laughs) That's That's (laughs) good.
0: Brady says, where or what does your connection to the adventure or the journey come from to the energy of the hero? Uh, Yeah, that's interesting.
1: You know, I feel like it kind of plays a little bit into what we were talking about in the beginning of just uh just even choosing to do music in the first place has felt like it, it's uh, a courageous, bold, heroic act to just follow what felt the most true to me. Even though, you know, maybe I wasn't having support from anybody in my close circle and had to just like be the hero of my own situation and just be like, I'm like taking control of my life and I'm doing what feels real and trusting. and. Um, you know, just feeling my own life is this like this movie scene and I'm in this, uh, like this choice of how I'm like choosing to navigate it and just choosing the like heroic heart led path versus, um, the other option to that, you know. And so I think I just connected that just through my own life experience. And maybe that's why life threw me in that experience of it being not easy. So I could like, channel that feeling and then emanate it to
0: other people <laughs> you know right. one thing though i left on the table you know speaking about channeling things to other people it's hard for uh, you know those of us with the right intention or i say right the positive intention or the um harmonious intention maybe is finally the best word i'll settle on the coherent harmonious mm-hmm. orderly intention it's hard to imagine the opposite existing, but mm-hmm. in an infinite universe, it must. So, you know, you're like channeling this coherent, harmonious, strengthening, uplifting intention through your music to people. But uh at, at festivals, man, uh, and again, it's just like a, a microcosm of the whole world. So there's both, you know, there's all flavors of vibration there. It is what it is. But uh, I've seen you know, while in chakras blasted open on plant medicine type states, I've seen intentional like sending of the opposite onto people. You know, like mm-hmm. I have a specific memory of seeing this sort of like, it, it was so weird that it was so weird that there was like a, a gang of them. There's like four or five of these dudes. I, I swear there's like a 30,000 person music festival, you know, these guys were wearing like black hooded robes, like literally like cartoon evil sorcerer wizards or something. And they were, uh it was almost like they were just imperceptible to most people there. Like they had some sort of cloaking yeah. spell. I don't even know how to describe it, like a glamor as they call it in the occult. And they were uh like cackling and laughing amongst themselves while they would like, point at somebody in the crowd usually the person that was like seemingly pretty intoxicated or out of it and uh these these little creatures that were hard to make out because they were almost like soft and fuzzy almost like like semi-solid shadows they would come out from under these dudes robes and like go in the direction where they're pointing and they would jump on somebody's back and then that person would after a little while, start having like a really hard time or like falling over, Mm -hmm. swaying, Mm -hmm. getting angry or like different things would happen. And then these these dudes in the robes were like laughing about it. (laughs) I was really, I only observed it for a little while because then I was like, I need to not, I need to get away from this. I was freaked out. yeah. And I was a lot, lot, lot younger and less experienced. Like, uh, you know, if I saw that now, I might just go. Kick somebody's ass, but <laughs> yeah, break out the but. light shields. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I bust this thing out.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, but, you know, I bring that up just because you talked about um, your sleep paralysis experiences and things that you encountered in the out of body state and, uh, I just don't know enough about the reality of what's possible and what goes on in the wider consciousness universe outside of the limited narrow bandwidth that we have got, you know, I can't rule out that somebody somewhere at one of the places that you've been wasn't intentionally like, you know, I'm going to attach something to this guy and it's going to be profitable for me somehow. I don't know Mm -hmm. the full dynamics of like, you know, loosing and sorcery and all that. So yeah. I don't bring that up to freak you out, but just like, cause you always have the power as the dreamer. And it's like, even everything evil serves God in the end <laughs> because it only yeah. makes, you know, the good and the orderly shine through stronger as a, an obstacle that strengthens. But you know, I'm just thinking about all that stuff from
1: your stories and totally. You, yeah. you think about this? Yeah. I appreciate that. Like insight and reflection and, uh, weird shit for sure happens at festivals. <laughs> it's a crazy place. And I think it's interesting because people are very, uh, energetically vulnerable. I feel like, you know, so I could see how that would attract people that, um, are going after that. Um, but the one thing I feel about yeah,
0: people's boundaries are down or they have none to begin with. And then yeah. like,
1: that's the perfect opportunity for predatory shit. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I've also witnessed, you know, a lot of weird stuff happening at festivals and just the whole gamut, like every, you know, amazing, just transcendent experiences. But then also there's, you know, especially the big ones, you know, just get a wider range of stuff going on. Um, But yeah, who who knows all the stuff (laughs) I've been exposed to, but I think at least when I'm playing, I'm like so in my zone and elements that I feel like I'm like, I feel I'm in that energy of the music so hard that that's creating some sort of thing. But yeah, maybe afterwards when I'm like super tired and I don't
0: know. Or who knows? Yeah, yeah, who knows? And I'm not saying that like you're <laughs> attached to something or, or whatever, but these, yeah, these, these festival realms are very bizarre and it's like the reality is slipper, slipperier in them because so many people are open chakras uh in a more psychic experience of reality overall and totally i I feel like you know we should talk off of the show and like just i kind of want to do a tuning with you just as like an exploratory you know science for me (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's do it i'm I'm pretty open yeah okay we'll do that that that'll be good i'm curious same (laughs) (laughs)
4: You know, I I think about um, that, uh, the show that we did with uh, Jerry Marzinski and how, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jerry's work, but he's worked with uh, extreme schizophrenics in a clinical setting for a very long time. And he's had a lot of success with working with them, uh, but in his case, particularly because he has come to believe that a lot of these people's experience, even though they're individual to the to the client, that they are real. And that by engaging them and treating them as though they're real and even entertaining the presupposition of these spirits that are haunting the people, that Jerry has had way more success in giving these people really strong guidance in, uh, in fighting the good fight in the unseen world, you know?
0: And there's a lineage of psychologists that have done that, which breaks the rules of mainstream.
3: You know, you're not
0: supposed to... I think, like, if you worked at a mental hospital, you can get fired if you try to help the patients there deal with their voices as if they were real voices or like exactly. you know, I've heard stories that. of like patients trying to do exorcisms for each other. And like the, uh, the staff breaks it up. Like, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> wow. Really? What
4: are you more healing this guy?
5: Be in <laughs> bin here.
0: There'll
4: yeah. Be more healing here. <laughs> right. Yeah. So one thing that, uh, uh, I've come to realize is, you know, for me, What Jerry was talking about, uh, uh, he—he's some of his advice for for some of the clients was like, okay, well, now you need to, uh, when the voice comes, you visualize yourself stuffing the voice with uh, the mouth of the voice with cotton balls, and then duct taping the face of the voice shut so that it can no longer speak. And then he gives that Mm. as as clinical advice for them to go and they do it. They do these creative visualizations and they work. And so Jerry takes note in the next client he has. He says, "Okay, you're going to stuff it full of uh, duct tape and uh, and tape it shut. Or he'll give them like I think it's Psalms 23. And uh, of all the biblical verses, Psalms 23 seems to have some sort of uh, result when when it's applied uh, for some of these fellas, hydrochloric
0: uh, like acid against demons,
4: <laughs> right? Right, like in the movie It, where he says, "This is battery acid, you slime," and then he sprays him with his his inhaler, and his yeah, inhaler yeah. actually fights off the 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 clown. Uh, but yeah, that uh, so for me, I relate to that as a martial artist. And I realized that, you know, I've been fighting invisible monsters uh, since I was a child. And I got really freaking good at it to the the extent where now I like I have really fun dreams (laughs) when things when things get scary. I, you know, I just flip on the superhero. Yeah, you're uh, just an action hero. Yep. (laughs) See
0: that. Uh, What what we're talking about, too, I want to bring up like what has been effective for me whenever I've encountered um, demonic, if you will. Entities
3: mm-hmm.
0: is <laughs> you could actually defeat them with logic too, and mm-hmm. so what we're describing like these creative visualizations using imagination to combat the stuff that exists or that's you know attacking us through the mind or through a psychic plane you know out of body is a more psychic plane, even though uh there's sort of like a tangible coherent reality to it, and that there's even consensus reality aspects to it it's still. You're interfacing with it through a psychic level. And technically, all of this is the psychic plane. You know, there's not a distinction. This is a a mental realm. But uh, what I've noticed is that, okay, so you have the concept of uh, Jehovah, which is like, I, I really liked how Clint Richardson defined Jehovah. And there's different reasons to define Tetragrammaton or Yah or the Supreme Being in different ways. But like, when we're talking about the idea of the, uh, the most high. <laughs> it's essentially, you know, to boil it down to the simplest terms, we're talking about the self existing Im- original impulse for existence to exist. So like in the most basic level, we're talking about the spirit that animates nature. And uh if you could boil it down to one word, it is existence or self hyphen existing, you know. No beginning, no end, no no, no other creator. It's, the, it's just the is, what it is, the I am, what have you. So when we're talking about things that are like demonic or satanic, just learning the meaning of words helped me a lot because Satan means adversary. So if you're dealing with a being that is adversarial to this idea that we are calling Jehovah or God or the Most High, and that thing that, you know, the most high or the original being, the creator is existence itself. <laughs> then what is adversarial or opposite to existence is non-existence. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it, this is more conjecture for me, but I think that maybe some of the beings that people encounter that attach to them or attack them psychically or like the schizophrenic stuff might even be uh like a pyramid scheme in the uh in the astral or psychic astral realm pyramid. like seriously i think hospitals might be a factory for this that mm-hmm. there's like there's like mm-hmm. entities waiting at the hospital for somebody who's in a lot of fear to come out of their body and mm-hmm. they're like oh don't go into the light if you go into the light you're going to be punished for how naughty boy you were and you know you don't want to go meet god you'll be punished so just do what i say and uh our master will make sure that you continue to exist and you don't have to go to hell. And then like, it's a Ponzi scheme where all these different beings are in sort of like a, a middle management position with a manager above them. And there's nobody at the top. (laughs) Like I've always thought that the reason why the capstone is missing on the pyramid is because nobody's in charge. And that's like the ultimate conspiracy is that it's just sort of like rival rival managers fighting for power in the corporation, which is a dead body. So, my point in all of this is that when I've encountered in the past demonic type entities or energies, or I felt like there was some sort of poltergeist in the space, you know, sometimes for very good reason, like stuff moving around that shouldn't in a way that had a bad or male- malevolent feeling to it is, uh, you just announced to these beings of like whatever deal you made or whatever master you serve or you think you serve or that you are afraid of, uh, angering, it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like you're serving non-existence itself and you are afraid that if you don't serve this non-existence that you don't even realize doesn't exist, you're afraid if you don't serve this master, then you won't exist. But the irony is you're avoiding going into the light, which would allow you to redeem yourself and even become incarnate and have an existence and a life again eventually. So in the service of that which doesn't exist, you are preventing yourself from existing and all you are is in the thought in my head right now (laughs) (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm.
0: like like every time I give that speech like I felt it right now every time I give that speech I I feel like a lightning in the air around me like something (laughs) Uh is like oh damn you're right okay I guess I'll go into the light because it can be reasoned with so that's Mm -hmm. kind of a logical way Mm -hmm. of approaching it yeah totally man
2: What do you think, Chance, anything ancestral with any of this? From time to time, it may be, in my opinion. Yeah. uh, Like another, you know, tap on the shoulder from an ancestor or something along those lines. Yeah,
0: I think so. There's even a place in the biofield that ancestors... Yeah, the ancestral rivers, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right.
0: I ran into that last week. (laughs) That's not every session. It's maybe not even one in 10, but every once in a while, I'll be like hitting hitting the spot of the ancestral river. And I'll be like, what is this? What? Is- oh, there's the ancestral river right there. And uh, there'll be a reason for that. And, I'll, and as soon as I make the connection that I'm touching the ancestral river with the fork, then a message will pop in my head of like what the ancestor wanted to say. Mm-hmm. It's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, boop. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is it. This is the message. So there. Yeah. that's the thing too. I mean, I can't define it, but uh right. that which exists always exists and so our ancestors continue to exist in some level even even if that level is simply that we exist and we are an extension of them
3: mm-hmm.
4: right yeah i have i have a, a a theory about this and it's such a hard topic uh to articulate to put into words you know because we're like uh but the, so one example in my what comes to my mind george with your question So I have a a grandfather who uh, was uh, tried very, very hard in his uh, later years to be a a strong contribution to a community. And he was he was uh, he was kind of like a a father figure of Alcoholics Anonymous Mm. in in the entire state. Like back then in his time, you know, one man could cover a lot of ground, especially when Alcoholics Anonymous was coming into into its its role. And, um, but I realized that he was driven by a lot of the demons from the decisions he had made, uh, that led him to become a better person, you know, in some of those. And I just, we, that's the only wet word we have for it. We have to use these metaphysical terms. And mm-hmm. so he did have demons mm-hmm. from his deeds and his behavior. And, uh, in, uh, I often ponder how some of those demons or bad decisions, they didn't really die with him because they were instilled into his children who were my mother and my aunts, you know? And so in the weirdest ways, I see the specter hmm. of his early behavior when he was, you know, probably a real bastard. Uh, and so uh, in that is carrying the spirit of there it is again the spirit of the negativity and the negative influence he had uh before he changed his ways right and and so mm-hmm. it's really hard to put those things to to words and convey them but I do I believe that in a strange way my whole family is still haunted by the uh the influence of his bad Previous self that he was trying very hard to put to rest. Um, and so, yeah, maybe that uh, is one way that I've seen ancestral trauma kind of passed on, even though the man who did it is long gone. You know, sure. some of that baggage is still around.
3: Definitely.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's very real.
4: And it's kind of funny how alcohol is almost, you know, we refer to it as the spirits. The spirits. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like it almost uh it it keeps those mistakes raw, you know, so that the the, yeah. the wounding or the scarring of whatever those things that he was trying to drown out, they don't really go away. They stay fresh, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: It does I it think gives that your consciousness is like in. living in the water in your body, you know? And if you're diluting that water with these other spirits, mm-hmm. it feels like a salve, ironically, as a, alcohol is a solvent, which is the same root as salve or salvation. Mm-hmm. It's your, you know, in alchemy, the alcohol is a mediator of sorts. It's like uh, it, it plays that mercurial role. But what ends up happening is it's taking you away, but it's giving you something that isn't you. I mean, that's what it does in alchemy. It takes something from something and it gives something to something, (laughs) you know? So it feels like you're getting relief from your pain because your consciousness is being removed from you. You're becoming less conscious, less aware, but it's giving you a consciousness that isn't yours. And if you, you know, go far enough, that's why when you black out, you're still walking around and doing stuff. You can still do your attack. Who's doing that? Yeah. Is that? You You know, it, totally. it looks like you. It sounds like you. It's because whatever is coming in is in the vessel that you are. So it's like it's in your shape. You know, it takes on some qualities of you because energy takes on qualities of the container that it's in. But it's not the same water that's poured in. It's not the same water that's in that cup, you know.
2: Right. So spirits is not a it's not an accidental term. <laughs> right. Totally. A little, little Peter Pan action with the taking and giving, too. Definitely.
3: Nice.
4: Nice. Mm -hmm. And Peter Pan had that issue with his shadow. His little shadow would detach and he'd have to go chase it.
2: Uh, Oh, I meant Robin Hood actually, but yeah, Peter Pan too. (laughs) I meant Robin Hood.
4: (laughs) (laughs) They were both, both green with those fancy hats.
2: They had the same. Yeah, really same. Yeah, you're right. (laughs)
5: That's funny, man.
0: So, uh, Oliver, I want to ask you about, you know, your flow state routines. Uh, obviously not every, in a perfect life, not every day would be the same, but <laughs> you know, what's like, what are some things that you do to help yourself stay in the zone or get into the zone? You know, like if you were going to, if it was just an average day and you had nothing on your you know, to-do list that was so pressing that you couldn't, what are some of like the top five things you do in a day that also help you get into making music or like that make you feel more prepared for whatever it is that you want to create, whether it's painting or music or Mm -hmm. something else?
1: Yeah. I feel like over the years, I've really been trying to find a rhyme or reason to what gets me into those really deep special flow states where I like that feeling starts to like emanate in me. And I'm like, Whoa, this is something special. Like that's really not all the time. Um, so on a certain level, it feels like a level of discipline is really important to just be like showing up. And it almost feels like the more I'm showing up, the more chance it has for to just connect to something really special. Cause it just, it just doesn't always happen like that. Um, so I think some level of like, just, showing up for it as much as you possibly can and just like devoting yourself to it. And I felt this thing where it, you know, when I'm feeling kind of tested of like, Oh, are you really wanting to do music? And like, do you really want to commit this hard to this thing? When I really do that, I feel like, you know, you call it muse or something will just see me as like, Oh, this person is willing to be the channel for that. And then stuff will show up. Um, As far as like daily practices, I do it kind of depends on the chapter of my life, but right now, um, I'm really deep into Ashtanga yoga, I have like a pretty solid practice with that. And if I do that first thing in the morning, uh, flow state is much more easy to drop into, and yeah, I just get this feeling a lot where I wake up in the morning and I feel kind of just like this anxiousness of the world of like, okay, I gotta do this and that and gotta, okay, check my email. And I really, it's super important for me to relax that. Um, cause that will just, uh, prevent it from happening. Um, so yeah, yoga and breath work is huge for me. Um, cause it just, I think it's just easing my nervous system. Um, that feels incredibly important. Um, and yeah, just like a dedication, just a general overall like faith in the process and showing up as much as possible to it. Um, those are kind of, you know, what has worked so far. I have been doing my
0: best to not be busy. <laughs> like that feeling of I'm busy is such a killer. Uh, uh, yeah. I think one of the great things about being a human tuner is that you see enough. Patterns in other people that are really rampant throughout the society that it's like when that pattern starts to come up in yourself, it's a lot harder to ignore. And you can almost like, you know, (laughs) you can just sort of ward against it better. So, one thing is like people's right hips hold a lot of energy of, uh, and not just the right hip, but just the root chakra kind of in the back right quadrant holds a lot of this almost like torture of the to-do list. Mm. (laughs) And it doesn't, and when you think about it, it's so silly because no matter how busy you are or you aren't, there's always an endless stream of things to do next until life in this vessel ends. So there will never be an end to the things to do or the opportunities. And whenever you're like running over the to-do list in your mind of like, I got to do all these different things and you just repeatedly, you know, literally writing a checklist mentally and echoing it constantly, that's robbing, like that takes energy. Thought is energy. So you're actually robbing energy from the doing of things. And so, you know, I, I do a lot. I try to be, I, I try to be productive and, and uh, I, I'm not like sitting on my hands or anything, but whenever somebody says, like, I know you're busy, but I always correct them. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not busy. I'm not busy anymore. I'm chilling. I'm just doing what I want all the time. It's different than I do what I want when I want to do it. That's different than being busy. It might be Mm -hmm. that I do a lot of stuff, but busy isn't the word. Anyway, I wanted to point that out because maybe somebody that helps them to hear that. And that they're like, oh, I do kind of torture myself with a to do list and I don't need to. It doesn't help. But uh, what was that type of yoga that you mentioned?
1: What is that about? Ashtanga um, Yoga. Um, I'm not okay. sure the best way to explain it, but it's a pretty traditional practice that a lot of other practices were based off of. And, um, it's, there's primary series and secondary series, and it goes beyond that, but it's a set sequence where it's like a specific flow that you follow where there's like, um, you do sun salutations, then you go through a whole standing series, and then there's a stretches in between, and there's like a closing sequence. And so it's this, um, it's a whole specific and it's pretty rigorous. Uh, and it can take like, if you're going fast, an hour and a half up to like two hours to complete the whole practice. And, um, for me, it, it, it hits all the levels of things. And there's poses in there that I wouldn't, you know, if I'm designing my own practice, maybe I wouldn't do this pose, but since it's in the sequence, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. And I think the stuff that's most difficult is probably where the most medicine can be. So. Um, and just having something that's like, uh, stable and consistent within the the chaos of everything else it feels helpful. And, um, I'm not sure what it is about it, but it just, um, I've done a lot of different yoga practices, but doing that specific sequence and doing it consistently has been like such a game changer for me. And it's a radical difference in my day. If I like don't do it versus when I do it, it's like, so just like, so <laughs> palpable, um, so I try yeah. to prioritize it as much as I can and, you know, not being crazy about it, but it's, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing practice.
4: I had a really, a really close friend who was a, a Shtanga teacher okay. and, and, uh, I've had quite a few sessions and, uh, I'm a big fan of it. Um, but, and, but, <laughs> Uh, I've uh, I've gone to some of his classes that went three hours,
3: mm-hmm. and,
4: and and I got to say that there, if you're new to it, don't go for three hours right away. Build totally. your way up to, the, <laughs> to the three hour thing because yeah. I I came home and I laid on my couch and I couldn't get back into my body. I was mm-hmm. like somehow I was like removed from myself and I had to go through a whole nother hour and a half of returning to the body because I was literally.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it can be super intense. And I feel like some Ashtanga teachers are really intense too. And, uh, you know, there's a reason for that because they're wanting you to like explore your potential and they're not trying to make you feel cozy. They're like, okay, um, you have potential to get deeper into things. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of room for more softness with being a teacher in that. And, um, knowing how to modify and not hurt yourself, you know, cause I've actually kind of, I think I have a lot of fiery energy where I just like, I need to move. And um, mm-hmm. that practice is a good channel for it, where I just like can just release a lot of energy, but also go into this like deep meditative thing afterwards. And, um, but I've definitely hurt myself just kind of being too, too fiery about it and just getting deep into this like crazy a uh, binded twist and not being careful so um. yeah.
4: you know we uh chance and i had this uh kind of fun linguistic uh revelation that i think is kind of nifty for uh, an ashtanga practitioner how uh-huh. the word the, the word lymph and the word phlegm are mm-hmm. inter interrelated in ashtanga is all about the the flame Mm-hmm. And getting that the, the heat generated in uh, to circulate, you know, that lymphatic uh, cleansing.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I thought I'd just
1: hand that off to you. Yeah, I love that. Just really getting that cleansing fire moving through the body.
2: George, do you ever do yoga? I've certainly done a good amount in the past. I haven't done any, maybe in the past, like, about three years off of doing it at any regularity at all. And I'm an uh-huh. extremely flexible guy, so... I always thought that was going to give me an edge when I first started, but I still didn't have that internal strength, you know, like I'm hyper-flexible. Yeah. I got this thing called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome actually. So it, uh, it gives me some benefits. I can definitely do some things, you know, really well. I can get myself into weird positions, but when I was doing it, I was with somebody, somebody that was in a, he had his own band and I was, I interviewed him actually on my show recently and he. Oh yeah. Uh, I yeah. saw that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like Dan Bailey. It was, he, had a, he's a yoga uh, teacher also, and he's done all kinds of different uh, types of it. And he was just doing a simple routine. We would do maybe like an hour, hour and a half tops, very low energy, nothing crazy. But um my my day was very different from there, you know. Same thing with going to the gym in the morning, even if it's just cardio. And oh, you okay. know, at first you'd expect in an adolescent kind of way, like, oh, I'm gonna waste all my energy at, at seven a.m. I'm never gonna make it through the whole day. But I had I had more energy. Totally. I had more yeah. Um yeah and, and mental acuity for just being ready for the gig that was going to be you know 20 hours later that night and um just t- my hands were just ready to go and i warming up musically wasn't as necessary I'm not like a warm-up kind of guy for shows or anything I never really get the time but I didn't have to I didn't feel like That's I ever cool. had to it 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 made my whole day a much easier thing and I feel like a flow state could be achieved better for the work I'm doing in front of this camera all the time too. And now that you guys are talking about it, I'm thinking about it, you know, remembering the yoga I used to do and, um, Mm -hmm. to keep just to keep my hands strong and if if anything else, you know, but I also, I'm up super early, uh, you know, i got these two little babies. So I think once they're just a little bit older, I'll be able to to get right back into a good steady yoga routine. I'd love to, it would be a life changer for me. I haven't done it in a long time, actually.
4: Baby juggling counts.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm doing yeah, yeah, things yeah, yeah. now. My core is you know, my arms and legs and core are pretty good. <laughs> but no, I, I could use a lot of it. I would I would love to get right back into it again.
4: Have you have you guys seen those videos of uh, amazing dad saves?
2: <laughs> yeah, I've seen no. some for
3: sure. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they have like, it, there's like quite a few of them out there. It's really amazing how many there are to to choose from, but it's like uh, these compilations of dads like in real passive positions and the baby's about to fly off the edge of the couch and dad does this unthinkable save and he just snatches the kid from certain doom. Right, it, the crazy uh, one on.
2: hand like reach over, yeah. Yeah, it it, on, it's it's here on. with Daddy and Me Baby Yoga. Nice. <laughs> that is a great idea. I'm definitely going to do that. Thanks. I don't know. I do not really, think it's all it. about that feeling.
4: It's funny. It's like, uh, it's like a, uh, a dad can redeem himself. Well, speaking as a dad, <laughs> I yeah. can't speak for a mom, but a dad can really redeem himself with just that one second of like <laughs> ultra awareness that uh, just comes out of nowhere. You you, uh-huh. you just surprise yourself sometimes. <laughs>
0: Maybe that's the ancestor coming in and like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm t- asserting yeah. command of the vessel for a moment. <laughs> You're yeah.
4: yeah. taking over. You'll thank me later. Yeah. Totally. One, one, one of my. uh, I don't know if I'm proud of this or embarrassed by it. I don't know which it was, but I am so blessed that it happened the way it did. Uh, It was a very, very long day. All the days were long days, but yeah come home and you got to entertain baby because mama's off to work. And now it's your turn and she passes the baby torch to you. So I thought I was so slick because I took the lawn chair and I put it right at the uh, edge of the, the uh, swing, you know, the way that she's on her baby swing. And mm-hmm. I put it right at the spot where I don't have to move and I'm sitting in the chair relaxing. All I got to do is just Flip my wrist, and the baby is pleased for at least, you know, maybe 40 minutes. And all of a sudden, the swing rope snaps. She goes flying in the air and lands perfectly into my lap. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It was wild. It was so wild. And I was like, wow, the angels really showed up. They really showed up. And they taught me, like, don't be don't be trying to take oh, a minute off. You always yeah. be on your toes. Oh yeah. We'll give you this yeah. one. <laughs> yes, that was my pass. Like, I got free pass.
3: Pass. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so Oliver,
0: I want to ask you a, another question, buddy. Um, yeah. you know, I'd really like you to elaborate kind of on your philosophy on life like what do you think life is for? What do you think it is? It's okay to not know things, but you know, let's explore some ideas based on some ideas of why we're here based on, you know, your experience of being here. Yeah. Wow. That's a, it's a
1: huge question. (laughs) I feel like whenever I'm starting to, okay. Yeah. I feel like whenever I'm starting to feel like I have an understanding of like, Oh yeah, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Uh, This is, the the myth of the world i'm living i feel like it gets like shattered and like a whole new thing opens up and you know the experiences i was talking about before i feel like really it was one of those moments from like why like, why what is my purpose here is it and I, th- I sometimes question if it's like being so committed to music is um taking away from other potential areas i can also be putting my energy towards and um i feel like i created this really intense focus of like, oh, I want to do music and no plan B, but I'm also realizing that I have a lot of other passions and, um, just, I think having an openness to, uh, just being reborn within my life multiple times of just like, um, being open to everything shifting. Um, so I think my at the moment philosophy is just kind of being fluid with and not being too identified with my personality or who I am or what I'm doing, and just follow the the feelings in my body. Um, yeah, and as far as like what the whole purpose and meaning of everything is, it's I, it's I can't give any sort of um, idea because every time I do, I'm just like it doesn't stay. Um, which can be really tough sometimes. I wish I had some like, ooh, this is the clear focus and purpose for why I'm having this experience. Um, But at least if I am doing stuff that feels authentic, like music and art and just like being a good person, um that's something I can anchor to. I'm just like, it doesn't have to be, I don't have to understand the complexities of all the layers of reality and what's all going on, but I can just, drop into what the feeling I'm having in each moment is and just like, keep it as simple as that. And, um, cause I've definitely gone into deep philosophical things of like, what is the meaning of all of this? And it's not always super helpful for me to go deep too deep into that. Um, but just, yeah, just anchoring to the simplicity of the feelings and just like staying in my, my truth of like what feels real to me. That just, that's kind of my way of navigating the world at the moment so
0: i i really like that the almost like the the rebirth and the reimagining is <laughs> what life is about that it's like every you're making it up as you go i feel like mm-hmm. that's what a, that's what source is doing that's literally what the creative intelligence of universe means is that it's like something's making all this up <laughs> Which means, mm-hmm. That's like, that's what a flow state is, you know, mm-hmm. like life in reality has this fluidity to it. So I had this strange impulse to like pull some tarot cards while you're talking about life like that. So if you're down, yeah, I'm just going to throw out totally. a few cards and tell you the the five that the spread was. Yeah. I hate it. So, and, and remember, this is like in context with like the meaning of your life. <laughs>
3: I'm not saying this is
0: the only meaning of your life, but like, you know, some why you're here context. So you have uh, first it was the four of Mm disks. So this is like, you know, coming into some competency of material security, like figuring out how to be secure materially. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then with it, like they came out as a pair with it was the seven of disks. And so Mm -hmm. this is about, you know, hard work, a job well done, but not wanting to do work as somebody else's servant. Like, Uh you know, like, okay, I know that I could, but I kind of want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with being, with with being a cog in another person's machine, even though like I would be a a really great worker and I am Uh a good worker. And then, so interestingly, the next one that comes out is the magician. So this is like the entrepreneurial spirit. This is the one that goes their own way. This is the one that's understanding the, you know, the forces of the reality and and harmonizing them to create the experience as they go. And then uh, finally, we also, well, there's two more. We had uh, the (laughs) high priestess and this Mm. came up in upside down now wow. like wow. to just put it simply um there's a lot of possible meanings for a reversal of the high priestess but like i think the context with with the rest of the conversation is that the high priestess reversal actually means cessation of fear like no longer mm. no longer being afraid uh getting over uh sort of you know feelings of loneliness or or bad mood even and like mm. lightening up uh <laughs> so it's interesting that they came up one after the other because this is card one and card two you know oh wow, like, yeah numbers one and two yeah. so i see there's like you know becoming the magician but then like the magician learning how to not be afraid of uh-huh. conjuring all those forces and and interfacing with the unknown because you know this is also like the as the yin representative of the major arcana the major one the major yin it's like the unknown <laughs> that is the mm-hmm. unknown Like, what are the laws of this universe and as you just put it like as soon as you think you have it figured out it's like okay we're gonna pull the rug on you and it's actually this <laughs> so uh anyway the card that i the last card that i pulled that uh i put in the middle of all five of these was temperance so like this is the card of the artist who's you know like uh mixing and balancing all the elements one foot on the earth one for, foot in the water and like this is in other decks this card is called art so wow <laughs> you know this is the card of the artist it's the one that's like learned how to uh manage their own um personality traits for the po- the positive and the negative ones to synthesize their experience of the external reality into something that is aesthetically and objectively beautiful and helpful for themselves and for others, kind of like you said, like you know, making making music for the way I would listen to it. You know, that's my philosophy too. I make, I try to make the show that I would want to listen to. So, mm-hmm. uh, the temperance card is a good reflection of that. So, I've, you know, I lo- I don't know why I just wanted to pull some cards for you, but they totally tell. Yeah, the story of what yeah, we got. That's from cool. you show that's so far.
1: honestly like eerily capturing the arc of my experience. And yeah, thanks for pulling. That feels profound, and I like that. The temperance is at the end there and yeah because it feels like I'm just getting pulled so deeply into all these different things and but at the end of the day I'm like what's what's the point of that in my overall experience and how can I like synthesize that into something more um vast yet grounded um so yeah I'm not sure exactly what phase of that I'm in right now I feel like things have been really interesting and I'm being um, exposed to a lot. I'm trying to ground that back into my creative expression and um, yeah, tempering um, all the different directions. And yeah, it's something I really feel is this thing of, you know, like I create this alias Volo and it's this whole like, you know, it, it was really healthy for me to have this like other like alter ego to just like put music out and it could like, I could create this new, version of myself or something. Um, but I, th- I think also is I've had this feeling of not being too attached to that, even though it was like the first thing in my life that I felt so connected to and was so like beautiful for me and important for me, but also being willing to let go of that and then letting something new emerge afterwards. Um, cause it was easy to let go of my insurance company job, but it's hard to let go of something that At once felt really true and still does feel true, but more stuff is wanting to emerge. And so it's like, okay, how much can I do in this lifetime? How many times can I like rebirth in one lifetime while also synthesizing it all? It's, uh, yeah, it's tricky.
0: Like you had, you had an aversion to being the, to making an identity out of insurance guy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but an attachment
0: to the identity of music guy. So it is uh-huh. like this juggling in the temperance sense of like aversions and attachments and realizing that like I'm just the witness. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like, my attachment to being music guy could be just as limiting as my aversion to a uh, insurance guy or to as cool. being insurance guy would have been limiting, I guess. And that's why you had an aversion. Anyway, cool. like uh I was curious about Ashtanga as a word. So I looked up like the etymology on it and it refers to the eight limbs of the um, limbs of yoga. Yeah. Right. Which is also the Buddha Dharma Uh wheel. Uh, So yeah, one of those is, you know, one aspect of that is managing attachments and aversions and, and not Mm -hmm. being sort of trapped by what those can create in life. And I love that, that, you know, it's very important to see I had that too myself. Like I started to move into the direction of like, I'm going to be an artist, a visual artist. I'm like going to subsist on selling art. And like, then I uh, pivoted from that identity attachment to do this. And now like, you know, I'm always trying to watch out for not being too uh, overly identified with one way of doing life because there's always going to be more opportunities and we can expand and it doesn't mean the old stuff goes away, but like <laughs> it's, it's uh, what you said is profound. So it just made me think about it a lot.
1: Yeah. And this just popped into my head real quick, but I have this feeling sometimes when I, when I play a show, um, it's just this weird feeling where I'm playing songs that I made, you know, two years ago, eight years ago and five years ago, And it feels kind of strange sometimes because I feel like I'm playing these like past versions of myself or my experience, which is super real, but it doesn't always feel like totally where I'm at right now. And that's why I like for me personally, I really like watching people that are doing like the live looping or just like something that's just like in the moment being Mm -hmm. created because that's their in the moment experience. You know, like I'm, combining my whole journey, which is really cool because then I can have, you know, a a broad diversity of experience, you know, like the same way you'd have an arc and a song. I have this whole life journey and I can express that in a set through all different things I've been through. But I also just appreciate seeing something that's being created in the moment, the authenticity of that creation. Um, I was wondering, do you do any, do you play any
3: live
0: events? not live maybe in your set but do you
1: play any instruments outside of like ableton production i love piano piano i can kind of just flow on and um i I know like basic guitar and bass and um, i know really basics of music theory uh i feel kind of this thing where people like oh like what instrument do you play and i'm like i feel like i kind of like play the computer like i really go deep on like engineering and soundscapes and I have midi pads that are doing all these things and it's I think it's hard for people to understand how the music production process even goes it's kind of like it's like your only sound is
0: and, your imagination and and so yeah. the way that a guitar is limited by the tonal progression of fret to fret right whenever the instrument is your imagination <laughs> and your the the computer is the interface for that it's like uh in a in some ways, depending on like you know the discipline and the, you know, the the creativity or like the sort of the integrity as a portal, you know, mm-hmm. a channel of scooping etheric information and being the channel that it comes through. D- depending on that, like somebody whose imagination is their instrument, that it's it's harder to like quantify because you're not like watching them do this virtuoso thing on a physical instrument, but mm-hmm. you know people that don't have the inside baseball on music production and what it takes to make some of the sounds and to layer and blend and mix and master and create the atmosphere that you're describing. Like there's no, there's no necessity of comparing apples to oranges, but like, that's a, that's a, that's a real, you know, there's a real virtuoso skill to that as well and Mm -hmm. to accurately and, and portray emotional and uh, experiential things from your life and who you are, like to give somebody else that feeling in your chest that you got when you're making this Axis Moondy song (laughs) wizard shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. It's um, yeah. There's so much there. And um, there's just um, I I would like to just keep exploring my uh, what I could offer to the music space. And I would like, I keep saying like, Oh, I'm like really learn more instruments, but just what I'm really drawn to is like creating atmosphere and like um, I feel like there's room to expand for sure. But I also just want to like do what I feel that most inspired to go really deep on. Um, and yeah, so I, I really like to record other people that are really have practiced their instrument for a long time. And I'll sometimes I'll send some instrumentalists like, you know, just a soundscape and a beat and then they'll play on top of it. and. Uh, I'm not trying to like learn and do it all. I like, I know what I'm like drawn to really going deep on. And then, you know, I just collaborating with other people that have different skill sets is like, uh, seems like the move.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Instruments are pretty limiting in a lot of ways. So that's great. That's a good idea. You know, if you have an idea, if you're like, okay, I want to, I want a bass guitar on this one, you could send it out and have someone just play over it. That's where you, you get some of the best results like that. You really do mm-hmm. because we'll there's a lot of do more. Here. Hey,
1: I'm always, I'm always ready
2: to play some bass, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get someone when that, that level of freedom and respect for the musician, like just do something on this a lot better sometimes than, okay, I really want this here and I want to put this here. It It takes away from it
1: sometimes, you know? That's cool, totally, yeah, and I think just having this um you know not being too identified with like ooh, I'm the you know this music producer guy, and I should like do it all myself, but just being that right. like have this collaborative spirit of like what if we all came together, like we can make something um you know so much more amazing, but then also having that temperance of like, okay, how are we gonna create this into like uh, a, a sphere and something that is defined in a way, you know, and, um, I think somebody kind of has to, you know, I feel like I can be in that role of like, okay, I got all these parts and pieces now I can make it into this collage of things. And, um, so yeah, I really, that's something I really want to get more into is like just getting more collaborative, working with more musicians and, um, just that can offer stuff that I just, um, don't have the time to go super deep into and see what comes out of that.
0: Well, guys, we're moving towards the end of the, you know, a couple of hours here. So I'm not rushing us off the screen or anything, but anything left on the conversational topic list we want to bring up or ask Oliver or just rescue some dangling chads out there? Gabriel,
4: starting with you. Uh, one thing I had uh, made a little note on the temperance card um, that Oliver, you might you might uh, get some enjoyment out of this uh we had a realization with uh mario and uh michelle regarding that mm. temperance card a while back i was doing uh some really uh rewarding uh, experimentation with uh absinthe mm. and absinthe has uh some some kind of off the radar ingredients that uh and it and it does have uh purifying value uh, this is not medical advice Um, but I do recommend, uh, giving it a shot. You know, I think everybody should, you know, find the space to make it a sacred experiment with, uh, you know, the possibilities that it could, it could yield for all of us. But it's, uh, it turns out the, uh, Artemisia is one of the many ingredients of absinthe and Artemisia we think was part of the spirit that was infused into the temperance card. Uh, in in not just the Crowley deck and other decks as well, Um, I've actually seen that Artemisia is correspondent to that temperance card. So, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, and so then Michelle brought it to a a whole nother level when she uh, revealed that uh, that has a strong relation to mugwort and that Mm -hmm. mugwort is is also really good uh, medicine for journeying into the dream realm. So maybe I, I just thought I'd I'd throw that experiment your way and see if uh, see if it sticks.
3: Yeah,
1: thanks yeah, for you sharing have that. Mugwort, Oliver, because it's supposed to like protect you in the dream. Yeah, I mean, when this was all first happening, I was like, okay, just looking into all this stuff of like protection sort of things, and so I was, yeah, yeah I went through a phase where I was drinking mugwort tea, I was burning mugwort, and the area oh, cool. I'm living now actually has mugwort growing, so I've been kind of nice. like. Um, Communing with that plant spirit in some sort of way. And I think this is just a reminder to, you know, because I haven't in a while to maybe uh, get back in touch with the mugwort. So, yeah, wow. thanks for sharing Oh,
0: that yeah. Dude, if you're living around it, then it's constantly got its eye on
1: you in a great, <laughs> helpful way. Yeah, <laughs> very I just, true. I'm constantly reminded of like the plant spirits are super helpful and beneficial. And sometimes I forget about that, you know, and just um, getting back in touch with all the herbs that could be really supportive, I think is something. That is just coming into my awareness right now.
4: That's cool. That's super cool. I had no idea. (laughs) I'm
0: gonna have to try some absinthe sometime, Gabriel. Uh, Maybe why don't you get a a bottle of the kind you like and come visit?
4: All right, right on. Let's do it. it. Yeah, buddy. So,
0: George, George, you got any thoughts that you want to drop on us or or questions or anything that's been on your mind? You know, uh, really like hearing from you. I, man, I'm so glad to have you as a, a more regular character on the cast, too. You're so makes awesome. Me,
2: makes me very happy. Really makes me very happy, man. I don't I don't know if I have anything in any gravy in the ladle right now. I, I I think this conversation went in some very interesting directions. And we get to talk about all kinds of stuff just from the heart. A lot of honesty coming out. It was great. and. um I I will mention that this this past eclipse was really profound, it seems. And everyone that I've talked to, they, they admitted something without realizing it. That something mm. crazy has happened to them in the past few days, whether good or bad. <laughs> you remember yeah, you know? what I talked
0: about yesterday? That was my eclipse experience. <laughs> <laughs> and even now that like after that day is over, the intensity of it is quite a lot less. But uh, yeah, it was a crazy. You know, like I had this experience thing. where I was feeling a bit like, kind of like attacked by some negative energy actually in the form of uh you know, in a friendship. And I, today, you know, just to prove to myself, even though I didn't need the proof that the biofield anatomy is a real thing like, you know, that situation was kind of unresolved. And uh, today at the gym while I was lifting, I hurt my back right shoulder And that's the part in the biofield that deals with feeling attacked by negative energy from the outside. So, like, you know, my body is like, no, that's not resolved yet. Let me show you. So, (laughs) right, right. Wow. Yeah. You know, like once you know that language and the anatomy of like what different parts of the body are telling you when they get hurt uh, Mm -hmm. becomes kind of makes navigating life almost like having a, a map, like a roadmap that you otherwise don't have of like, okay you know, nothing's an accident, no injury is accident, no disease is an accident. So I I know what that relates to. I know the exact situation relates to, I know how to resolve it and make, you know, all that better, or at least to do my part to feel resolved on it. And so I will, but, uh, it's, it's pretty wild. Like that eclipse, (laughs) that eclipse showed me, and you know, even that happening, um, isn't even about the one-to-one relationship with the individual that I had the experience with. It's more like, uh, I was carrying that energy in my biofield anyway. And so the experience in the external is like a universe like showing me, hey, this is what to pay attention to next. Like it was going to happen right. somehow, some way, you know, it was already, it's like a chicken or egg thing. The energy was there, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was, part mm-hmm. of, I was carrying that energy. So it really helps to not, um re- to know this stuff really helps to not blame external situations or people for you know what you're going through and instead see everything as uh, a a straight up mirror of like, this is the energy I was bringing. This is the experience I got. And it's like, you know, it takes kind of takes the judgment out to a degree. Mm -hmm. You might still need boundaries or you might still have to do some, you know, hard conversations or things like that or express Things that you were wanting to keep bottled up, but it is to your benefit to express those things Mm -hmm. and set boundaries, or uh, you know, air those grievances or whatever it is. (laughs) If you hold them in, you're going to then you know, then it's going to pop up as disease or a jam in your flow in a in an experience in the external or both.
1: Yeah, man, totally.
0: Uh, I bring, I say all that, like to air all that because you brought up the eclipse and like I put that in the title and we didn't even talk about eclipse. I mean, <laughs> How was everyone's eclipse, gentlemen? How was yeah. it?
1: It's, it's kind of crazy you brought up the mirror thing because, um, mirrors have been like a really, um, mysterious thing in my experience where I'm just like, whoa, something is going on with mirrors that I don't understand. And just last night, uh, I had like, uh, a dream experience that was kind of really difficult. And, uh, like, um, part of it was somebody was holding a mirror up to me. And then I felt this, like, like this dark, like difficult experience with me, but it was like somebody holding a mirror up to myself. And it was like this, what, it feels pretty profound. And I feel like I'm still just even having this conversation and you guys talking about this, I'm like starting to unravel, <laughs> unravel that a bit more. <laughs>
0: wildly enough in the tarot that was like expressed with the magician followed by the high priestess like that sequence is Mm -hmm. that exact thing yeah (laughs) you know because like the magician's playing with these laws this is also the monad it's the number one card and then the duad comes up which is number two which is the the high priestess and she's sitting there he's standing she's sitting you know uh He's got open behind him. She's got these pillars behind him. Uh, you know, he he's one. She's two. Uh, she's ho- he's playing with the laws, and she's holding the law <laughs> like the. He's expressing right. the laws, and she's like, you know, she's showing like the written law or whatever. Anyway, so that that came up in the that that mirroring thing was totally part of those tarot cards a second ago. Totally
3: beautiful,
4: Gabriel. How was your eclipse? Oh my gosh! Uh, very intense. Uh, you know, I've actually i I think of it as the whole season. I think of the is a, a the, you know starting with the partial solar, and now uh, having the full lunar. Uh, it was very intense, and I feel like I actually got a lot of uh, uploads, uh, kind of expressed and blossomed and came to full uh, like a full completion and now I'm kind of detaching from that phase and I'm, I'm looking forward to actually going back and kind of, you know, I, a lot of my slick dissident shared learning experiences, just basically like me journaling, uh, my, my learning, uh, experience, my learning, whatever uploads, I don't know what else to call them. Emptying, cup. I get it. emptying my yeah. cup. And now I'm looking forward to going back and kind of seeing like, okay, that's when the eclipse happened and get up to date and see where everything's brought me. Mm. And then I can uh, kind of let go of it and move into something else, a whole new project. Cause I really am like, I'm done with the eclipse thing. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally ready for something else.
0: Oh man. I feel like I've run a, a couple of days ahead of the sky clock. Usually mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's from being like for my son being in Aries or something, but uh, yeah, like all the, I spent like three days of doing nothing but researching and pre- preparing for that solo show I did. Yeah, and so that felt like my big eclipse energy uh, yeah. expression, as you're I saying, emptying the yeah. cup. And then yesterday, the day of the actual eclipse, I was just like exhausted. It was I was super tired, and yeah. I just took it slow. But yeah, you got you got uh, the power knocked out with w- weather, right? You're
1: up north, right, Oliver? Yeah, and it, it's crazy because I'm not like that far up north. It, we just had this really out of nowhere, big early snow and power got knocked out all over. Um, it's just kind of creepy because I feel like it was just blistering hot out here. And now we're having like big snowstorms. So just feeling and I live in a yurt now. So I'm like, I'm pretty exposed to all this stuff. So, um, yeah, Wait, you live in a yurt. Uh-huh. Yeah. How did we not yeah. talk about this yet? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's only been a I couple months. Not out, right? Yeah. Um right now I'm in my studio space that I rent. This is only this is super new. I've never had a dedicated music and art space. So I'm like super stoked to have um a separation between home and creative space, but yeah, I moved mm-hmm. into a year a couple months ago and um it's been really humbling and also really epic. I feel so much more connected to nature just hearing all the bird sounds. And I had actually a really, speaking of lions, I had a crazy lion experience where I woke up in the middle of night and it was, this was a full moon night. And I had this like feeling in me that was like, oh Whoa, something, something's going on. I felt like this primal thing kick on and I went up to the door and this is when it was really hot out. So I had the door open and I have like a screen mesh on my door and I walked to the door and there's a huge mountain lion. Like literally right at my doorstep, just like looking at me in the face, and then I kind of startled it and knocked over my bike and some other other <laughs> stuff, and then it kind of walked away a little bit and looked at me, and then just kind of like slowly slide, just walked away like super badass jaguar like, just right into the <laughs> right into the full moon light. It was like I was I kind of went back into bed and didn't like, you
0: say did this year a moon?
1: Yeah. <laughs> So the
0: lion came in the night and walked into the
1: moon. Yeah. Whoa. Did you just meet yourself in the mirror, dude? (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. This is crazy. I didn't even like put that together. Wow. Yeah. So that's like some sort of like spirit animal experience because it was really profound. And after that, I was looking up all the sounds that mountains lines make and they make really interesting sounds. And sometimes I'll hear them roaming around the property. and. They'll make like little bird chirps and like really stuff you would not expect a mountain lion to make, but Mm. um, yeah, just feeling super connected to nature and just the realities of weather. (laughs) Um, Right. But yeah,
3: it's been awesome experience so far. Wonderful.
4: George, how about you? Any, uh, any eclipse vibes?
2: Well, I think that um, mentally, I know it just started this show like three months ago and I've been thinking about it for, for 30 years. And um, now that it's happening and now that things are flowing in a certain way, the moving right up to this eclipse, I've had certain, you know, feelings, good, bad, success, not success, whatever. But this common stuff you'd get when you start something like this, but I, I really felt settled and grounded as a result of it, Re- regardless of all the chaos. That seems to be happening with everyone I've ever talked to about it in the past two days, the past day. But I feel I have a very good sense, a good trajectory coming from it. I I feel like it's a it's a platform for, you know, forward motion for me. Yeah, I mean, so I
3: really like genuinely sense it.
0: What do you say? Oh you you're totally crushing dude. Uh out of the gate the production quality and value and like uh it's all really good. You, if you keep going you. it's only inevitable that this thing will blossom into many serendipitous synchronicities for you.
2: So keep it Thank up you. if you if you're liking it. I accept that as a a super positive thing that I edify me.
0: on YouTube.
2: Go check That's it out me. people. That's me.
1: Yeah man, I want to <laughs> drop in and listen to your show too. Yeah, so check, it out, check it out. Man.
0: Uh-huh. So, uh, Oliver, I wanted to, I have this book of Native American animal medicine. Oh, nice. Okay. So I'm going to read to you uh, the, the page about mountain lion. Oh, mountain lion that. specific.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to hear
0: it. Yeah. It's a very Leo type of message anyway. So it says mountain lion can be a difficult power totem to have because it places you in a position to be a target for the problems of others. You could be blamed for things going wrong or for always taking charge when others cannot. You could become the perfect justification for the insecurities of others. Mountain lion medicine involves lessons on the use of leadership, the use of power in leadership. It is the ability to lead without insisting that others follow. It is the understanding that all beings are potential leaders in their own ways. The use and abuse of power in a position of influence are part of this great cat's medicine. By observing the graceful pounce of a mountain lion, you will learn how to balance power, intention, physical strength, and grace. This relates in human terms to the balance of body, mind, and spirit. The great feline never wastes anything. It only kills what it needs for survival. The female lion is the hunter who graces her table in a style akin to mother energy. If mountain lion has come to you, it is a time to stand on your convictions and lead yourself where your heart takes you. Others may choose to follow and the lessons will multiply. If you have encountered the mountain lion, you may be asked to review the purpose behind your personal beliefs. You may need to discover whether or not your plans include a pride of cubs wanting to be like you or to share in your dreams. If you are already a leader, the question may be whether or not the time has come to push the cubs out of the cave. If you are aligned with cat medicine, you are considered to be king of the mountain and never allowed to be human or vulnerable. The pitfalls are many, but the rewards are great. In assuming the place of power that mountain lion affords, you must constantly be aware of keeping peace. However, you can never make everyone happy unless you lie to yourself or others. This is human nature. Therefore, the first responsibility of leadership is to tell the truth. Know it and live it, and your example will filter down to the tiniest cub in the pride. Responsibility is no more than the ability to respond to any situation. Panic is not a part of this sacred medicine. Wow. Wow.
1: That's amazing. The way all of this is weaving together is pretty wild to me. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that, dude. Very cool. I figure everybody
0: could he used to hear like that could be good for anybody to hear. We all, uh, totally. like I said, we all have some level of leadership in our life and that story is like all of our encounter with mountain lion. <laughs> for, the, for the day. That's wild. So like, did you feel, did you feel the panic of it or did you just feel the awe or was there
3: some uh, of both?
1: No, it was this, it was almost like this feeling I've never quite felt before of like, it felt very primal and it felt like it activated something in me where I was Mm -hmm. like so hyper aware, but all, it was almost like a mystical moment, you know, like when you're out in nature and everything just, you're just like, Whoa, this is like something shifted. Like that kind of happened for me where it almost felt super surreal. And yeah, there, there wasn't really any panic or being scared It was more of just like this hyper awareness and kind of just this mysticalness to it. Um,
0: it's like, I imagine it just pulls you right into the moment. Cause like you need your full attention to be on what's going on right now, just in case, you know, yeah, and totally. if you bring your full attention to the moment that takes, that takes the edge off or reduces the fear response as well, because your vigilance is, is there. So there's nothing to be afraid of. You're ready to respond. And so mm-hmm. like big cat just feels the energy of like either security and confidence or fear. And yeah, uh, you know, it's like oh. this mirror amplifying that. So like, man, I can only imagine how it's hard to even put into words. Like you say primal experience, but like, you know, that's <laughs> you I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling you channel the, the feeling of it to me, but it, the word yeah. part of it is just uh, almost like a, a vessel and the description almost doesn't matter. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? totally.
1: And it's interesting when, I'm kind of like thinking of what I was looking into, like, okay, if you run into a mountain lion, what do you do? And part of what you do is you, you hold your ground, you like stand in your own. And I feel like that almost kind of relates to the experiences I was having of just like really holding yourself and not giving into the fear. Cause if you like run away, that's apparently, you know, it gives it more, it thinks you're prey so then it'll chase you. But if you hold your own and even kind of like, you know, just, create your sphere and your boundary it'll be like it'll recognize that and then it won't see you as something that's afraid of it so it won't attack you so yeah Yeah. there's there's a lot to that that i'm just realizing as we're talking about it Hmm. i
0: didn't know that i was going to bust out dump like oracle (laughs) books and tarot cards this time around but it's
3: fun (laughs)
4: that is great so i've actually had a a couple run-ins with uh um mountain lions and bears. I lived in Colorado for a while. Uh-huh. And, uh And one time I was up uh very remote at the top of this beautiful mountain location uh house sitting for a close friend of mine and he uh he had this uh, gorgeous husky uh like a, a mastiff husky who was very protective and the dog starts growling and I know there's something out there. Uh and so he wants to like go and chase it off and I'm like kind of torn like you know, I know that the dog has marked this territory and I need to honor the dog's ownership of the territory. And also he's probably mm-hmm. going to knock the, he was probably going to knock the door open if I didn't let him go chase this thing off.
3: Right. And so,
4: so before I let him go chase the thing off, cause, uh, I went to the kitchen and I grabbed a, a metal colander and a wooden spoon And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to scare this thing off, too. I'm going to fucking join in the party, and we're going to fucking scare (laughs) this thing away. Yeah. And I go out there with a wooden spoon and the metal colander. I let the dog tear ass towards it. And the dog actually did an amazing job of staying, like, 30 feet away but barking his head off. And then I get out on the porch, and I start trying to make a loud noise, and I realize – the wooden spoon sounds like shit. It, it, it uh, wasn't no, conveying <laughs> thing It wasn't conveying any threat whatsoever. I was actually might have sounded like a dinner bell to the to, yeah. The, yeah. to this mountain lion, and uh, so it goes. It kind of runs away from the dog more than from me. And then I went and I gl- grabbed a huge clod of dirt and I just launched it in the general direction of the of the uh, this mountain lion and what was amazing was that the cloud of dirt it hit a tree with such force that it echoed mm. across the mountain range and i was like wow the one that i was trying to make noise i fucked up and the one i was not <laughs> trying to make noise it did exactly what it needed to do uh so yeah, yeah it was like a uh it was very uh, unexpected you know my my tactical maneuvers they didn't work the way they wanted, but then they worked better than I intended. It was really funny.
3: Totally.
0: All right, guys. <laughs> we have any other funny that stories to get in? I think I'm ready to wrap
5: us up.
2: <laughs> yeah, that sounds good.
0: <laughs> I, I'm really grateful that you reached out and, and got uh, in touch with me, Oliver. Like, it was... It's cool as heck to be, you know, connecting like this and getting to know you better. And I hope we can stay in touch or maybe we see you in the telegram group or something. But, uh, you know, just getting the heads up that you make this music and that I can go listen to it. That has been really awesome. (laughs) I I don't know if you've noticed. I've put it in some shows and, uh, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like I I legitimately listen to, you're like one of my go-to people now. So, you know, if you could let us know ways that we could support you in what you're doing, rather than sort of just like the free listening experience on SoundCloud and Spotify. uh, You know, I I would, I would recommend people to your band camp, which I'm going to link and I put in the show notes as well that people can find. But is is there any other way that people can sort of, you know, uh, show you value for the value that you can bring to us?
1: Yeah, man. First off, I'm just like super grateful to be here and to be having these conversations. And thanks for like unraveling so much stuff for me. I feel like this has been super deep and really reflective. And, um, so yeah, I'm grateful for you holding the space for this, this experience. And yeah, you guys are all awesome. And I'm just stoked to be connected and I'm sure we'll continue to, um, con- to do the thing. And as far as people supporting, um, yeah, of course the streaming music is amazing and I just want people to hear the music. Um, but yeah, Bandcamp's great. That's the most, one of the most direct ways to support an artist. If you buy their song, you know, most, most of that money goes to the artist and, um, on my website, volovibes.com, I have, uh, my last record that Axis Mundi is on. Um, I have a bunch of vinyl for that record still, um, I think I have like a hundred or 150 more of it. Um, So if anybody wants to own, you know, a record or a piece of music, that's a cool way to support me and just to have some, you know, physical, tangible thing with cool art on it. Um, And I have other little items on there, some art prints and stuff, but um, yeah, my website and Bandcamp, and, you know, spread in the word if you feel called to, but yeah, I'm just grateful to be, living this life where i can be creative and inspired and um i just trust that i'll be supported you know so yeah thank you man
0: it's beautiful man i have a, a vision that we will see each other at a music and sky or an event like that you Dude, know i'll hit some forks in your general direction and like we're just gonna have a really good time high fives and stuff it's gonna be awesome <laughs> super magic <laughs> team yeah that sounds awesome
4: yeah. Uh, so Gabriel, where do people find you? Slick Dissident over on the YouTubes, uh, and also, uh, Weaving Spiders webs, uh, Saturdays. And, uh, also there, uh, usually we do a flow state right after this on Wednesdays. So that's some spots to catch me. Also, you know, um, uh, I, uh, I jumped on with, uh, rising from the ashes. They're doing a thing Sundays, uh, the slow burn. We had a fun one. We just kind of improved uh, a uh, show on vampires last week, and that was kind of fun. Some crazy shit came up. Some real yeah, wild have shit. Go
0: hang on that one. These days,
4: yeah, man, yeah. Let's get you in there. And then I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm going to do a show with uh, my family. Thinks I'm crazy with Mark, uh, and that's going to be fun. Maybe some tarot tories, uh, <laughs> uh, and one on one. Uh, now it takes a while for those to come together because he like uh, you know he uh, I notice when I'll do a show with him it'll take almost two months because he's got so many shows locked and loaded to go but uh, he and I are going to do one on Star Wars. I, I was
0: like that. I'm like I'm I'm running like two to four weeks. So like that's a that's good for me. <laughs> I'm like really I'm
4: on the edge all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once once he got a he's got a lot in the chamber all the time. But we're de-occulting Star Wars. And just from him prompting, oh, man, I want to play. <laughs> I know, I know. I felt, I, I felt went
0: bad. On the like, Star Wars thing this earlier this year, and like rewatched every movie, and I was like, "This is some fucking sorcery right here!" Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, I mean, yeah especially, I, especially the uh, second trilogy. Oh, I guess sec- I didn't ever rewatch the the newest trilogy. I I never mm-hmm. did. Maybe I will, but yeah. I watched each of those only once, but the second trilogy, especially. Okay, we're we're getting into the weeds, but like that yeah. sounds fun. Okay, that sounds fun. I want, well, I'll, I want t- I'll, I'll tell, tell you, it.
4: the the work I've already put into it is the kind of thing that can give and give and give. Because I really, I wasn't. Uh, I thought we would just do a vague, overall, general kind of, you know, like we do. But I've really made some profound discoveries. I'm kind of freaking myself out. And so it, it might turn into, like, another, like, official Slick Dissident staple that we can always go to because, uh, yeah, some wild shit is coming out of that. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, eventually, man, we can uh, drop it in the demystifiers, you know, bring it to the table over there. So it's going to be some fun, some fun action for sure.
0: One of these days, like, let's just do a live stream on the Slick Dissident YouTube channel. I'll All right.
4: <laughs> all right
0: yeah man yeah all right that sounds really amazing dude um and george what's new with uh, third eye edify anything you want people to know about what are you excited about and tell people where to go other mm. you know third eye edify on youtube i, I did it there you did there it all right there it is yep youtube
2: <laughs> it shoot odyssey of course those places too and um i now having done you know the episode we had recently and last week's vibrant i'm still fleshing out a lot of musical ideas. And, um, you know, music versus whatever else you want to call it at this point, it's, it could be named anything. It's, it's, it's fresh information, brand new stuff, man. Just the idea of a Polaris, a center point, musically speaking with everything dancing around it. I've been really kind of focusing on that and I'm probably going to turn it into my own episode, but I've got a lot of, a lot of other episodes coming. I'm going to be doing one thing a week at least, and I'll probably be picking that up pretty soon. Actually, maybe the start of next year, I might do more than one a week. But, um, you know, I'm on Patreon. It's all the stuff that's on YouTube for now. So once I maybe get a little more action, I'll, I'll get some exclusive content, but I'm just constantly filling up pages and pages of stuff and I've got episodes ready to go. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, i love doing this. It's so, so it's good for me personally at a spiritual level on top of being able to, what I feel is providing at the very least some entertainment and some thought provoking things. So I'm looking forward to continuing.
0: Nice. right on well guys i'm gonna like play that. us out with uh a, one more of volo's tracks that i like a cool. lot and then uh oliver do you mind hanging out till after yeah. i end the stream i wanted to ask you a thing or two off off yeah, from, uh there that'd be awesome totally yeah
4: you know i, re- I want to share something with uh everybody that kind of just kind of congealed uh i had a I learned something today that kind of has to do with um like you were saying, the, you know, the, the circumpolar musical uh, concept, you know, I just learned that the word for scroll, the old, I think, Latin word for scroll is volu- volumen, mm. volumen. Right. And, it, and when I heard that, my mind thought, well, I wonder if they were thinking of that when they made the word vinyl, you know? Mm. Or volume. And volume. Oh, volume for sure comes from vellum. Yeah, oh, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this word for scroll has, mm-hmm. it has all this musical implication sure. also from the same, it's all born born out of the same word. So I just thought maybe I'd share that. Uh, cool. The
0: original the scriptures way. were also music, like musical That's notation. Exactly George right. told me this. Right. I mean, I haven't got the receipt, but I believe it. <laughs> it's yeah. very true. Oh, it's definitely true. That's fun. Well, all right, guys! Thanks everyone for listening. Please hang out for uh, another couple minutes and listen to this song "Dream State" by oh, our well. friend Oliver here. It's really good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. I had a blast tonight. I love doing this. You
3: guys, thanks, great.
0: Love you all. All right, thanks, how y'all? thank
5: you. Enjoy. Guys.